0: I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian
1: Caraway. And Lisa Page.
0: What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC flyweight.
1: Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to it's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
0: Get it? Like MMA, but amazing. Amazing radio.
2: Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. Kid Presentables here. Hey. Lavender Gooms is here. Happy Memorial Day, guys. DJ Mark is here. Yep. Good morning. Good morning, yes, because this is uh this is a little we're doing a little something a little different this week, just to fit everybody's schedule. We are recording at 8 a.m. in the one true time zone, the Pacific time zone. <laughs> Wanted so. to get on that uh,
1: Ariel Helwani tip, you know? The man, uh, he's moving up in the world. He does that Monday morning show.
2: Maybe we got that Monday morning juice now. Yeah, the MMA hour is actually on Tuesday this week, though, because unlike <laughs> us, unlike us, people take days off. We don't take days off. Uh, that being said, if you listen to this podcast and there's no episode next week, we're apologizing <laughs> right now. It might happen, all right? It might happen. Um, so To give you an idea of what we're doing this week, we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, card in uh that happened in Liverpool. Where I learned that people in Liverpool love to sing "Sweet Sweet Caroline," didn't really know that was a thing. Um, and then we're going to spend the majority of show previewing UFC 225, which is two weeks away, and quite frankly, is the best card the UFC's put on this year on paper. Um, that might change with that title versus title, uh, champion versus champion fight card in uh, in a couple months in July. But for now, this thing is uh, this thing is like it's ten deep, and we're saying that because we're going to pick ten fucking fights. Um, First off, though Darren Till Wonderboy Thompson, um, getting the scoring thing out of the way, people, people, you can have a cool you can have a close fight and think the other guy won and not call it a robbery. It's it's not that complicated. Um, the fight itself, though, Stefan left a, little, a bit to be desired, considering uh, all of our level of hype, yours included.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah, um, I, I was calling for this fight, and I was pretty excited for it. But um, I should have been prepared for this version of the fight because Wonder Boy, with his karate background, uh, what did I? I got a lot of Machida vibes in this fight. You know, it's a lot of keeping the distance, uh, single shot counters, and that kind of makes for an ugly fight, particularly with Wonder Boy, because when you look at his fights where he gets finishes, where he does well. Uh, it, he usually catches, it's because when he catches, he, he he has power, but not that one hit power, right? He has more of the the strike you don't see coming power. So it's usually at the tail end of combos. It's that question mark kick, which he hides well. And th- th- those where you see him get his flurries in his finishing sequences. But he really respected the power of Darren Till in this fight. So he didn't play that game. He, he played the distance. He played measured. Um, and for the most part, he did. You know, keep the distance. you're alluding to it being a very close fight. I remember it being uh, almost the end of the fourth round and they showed the significant strikes and it was forty one to thirty seven Thompson to till at that time. And that amount of strikes almost into the f- fifth round. that shows you that's not very many strikes. Ten significant strikes around is a very slow paced fight. Um I can't even t- I I couldn't tell you that there were 10 in a round because a lot of them were just distance. I think Bob you said they were just ca- the way you said they were canceling each other out and that was pretty much what four rounds looked like. Um in my eyes Thompson was getting the cleaner strikes, but of course Till was he was st- taking the center, he had the crowd behind him. So anything Till did, the crowd exploded for. Liverpool was lit for this man. Yeah,
2: I mentioned the, the when he came out to Sweet Caroline which I didn't, again, didn't know that was a thing for sport uh, for Liverpool, quite frankly. That was a thing, you know, got people hyped there. Um, people went nuts. The fight itself, I really thought, because Wonderboy kind of fights the way Wonderboy does, I put a lot of it on Darren Till because Darren Till was not, like, he was standing there. Like, Wonderboy was doing his little rush in and out, and Darren Till wasn't getting out of the way. But then Darren Till spent a lot of time, like, getting himself in position to throw a strike and then not throwing a strike, and then he, it was a lot of, like, yeah, a lot. I mean, I made the joke, and I said, like, hey, this, you know, you could have scored this fight 50-50, and told these dudes to go back in the cage, and let's do it all over again, because I felt nothing was settled on any real level there, um, Marcus. I think uh, your, oh,
1: sorry, I just uh, to add to your point, another criticism uh, of Till. I guess it goes towards both guys. I've heard other people say it, but it's something I was noticing. There was a lot of high-fiving and hugging in this match. Yeah, that was um, annoying. Um, it was a type of thing Is for a fight that didn't have that much action in it and didn't have a great sense of urgency. Um, I told you I already knew Wonderboy didn't have a sense of urgency for me championing Darren Till's hype train to see his lack of urgency in rounds. That was a little concerning as well.
2: Yeah, and um, Marcus, you your thoughts on the fight. And, you know, the undercurrent of this whole thing, if you can make a comment on, is uh, Till went in there and missed weight by, uh, we say three and a half pounds because it's a one-pound allowance, but it's a 170-pound weight class. So the goal is 170, and he got a 174.5. So it almost, you know, it almost made it even harder to take anything away from this fight that was frustrating to begin with, wouldn't you say?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think really at the end of the day, regardless of the outcome and, and who, who gets the W and who gets the L, it was just an uh, an unspectacular fight, right? We thought we could potentially see fireworks, even though I, I think I mentioned last week when we were breaking down the fight that this type of fight was very much you know, a reality that we could be facing. And really, um, some of the failings really were on Till. Um, and it was really not allowing Thompson to exit out um, from his uh, his right hand, right? He was circling right to avoid Till's left. And he really needed a like strong right hook to cut off that exit. So Thompson wouldn't be able to uh, laterally move to that way because he's hitting you know, uh, right hooks or left or right high kicks. You know, he needed a weapon to kind of stop Thompson from getting away from his his power and make him start circling into it. And he just failed to do so. And there was a couple of times where Till got him against the cage and, you know, he was kind of like a predator with his prey trapped and just didn't feel comfortable letting that left hand go until the fifth round. And in the fifth round, he did knock down Thompson. It wasn't like the cleanest, you know, knockdown in the world, but it was the most significant fight, uh, strike of the fight And probably what definitely won him that last round. Um, I mean, the scorecards being what they are, you know, I personally just, you know, chalk it up to some hometown cooking, right? And for the fact that Till was, you know, the aggressor moving forward throughout the fight and Thompson was kind of the matador. And I thought Thompson won the first two rounds pretty handily. And then it was three and four where I think Till, I think obviously because of the weight cut, He was, um, you know, saving some of the energy. I don't think he knew this fight could go long and he didn't want to wear himself out early. So I think he was kind of pacing himself. And I think in the third and on, he got a little bit more aggressive, but just he wasn't. I mean, the strikes that were working for him were his jab and his lead leg low kick. And those aren't his power strikes. Those are just him scoring, you know, insignificant points, right? Those, Those strikes probably don't even count on significant strikes. So he just couldn't utilize his best weapons. And Thompson, you know, he he did the, the smart play. You know, you don't want to run into this guy's fist, but he he himself really wasn't able to get a lot of his offense going. And, you know, when we've seen Thompson at his best, it's usually when he's fighting guys that aren't great at striking and that he can kind of confuse them in the madness of the striking, right? Because he's going to the body, he's going to the leg, and then he's shooting up a high kick. Like Steph said, when uh, Thompson, you know, scores his big knockouts, it usually is after a combination Targeting multiple points and then ending with a big high kick, whether it's a lead leg high kick or a big spinning one, like he got with uh, uh, oh, what's that stupid guy's name? I can't remember. Jack, Ellenberg. Uh, Ellenberg? Yeah, Ellenberg. Ellenberg. Yeah. So I mean, it, he, he he's at his best when he's really confusing his opponent, and his guy's just you know dead in the water because he doesn't know what's coming next. Until is a high level striker that isn't going to be confused with you mixing up punches to the body and the head and ending with a high kick. You know, he's seen all those things before, and it's tough for Thompson to get those combinations off when he's constantly on his back foot, avoiding the power. So yeah, ultimately, we just kind of got a disappointing fight. I think we were all expecting something really spectacular because we had two high level strikers, but I think the style clash kind of made this one difficult for either guy to get comfortable.
2: Yeah. um, Disappointing is really the word overall. Mike, your thoughts on the fight. And I know, I mean, I think you. you know, I want to get your opinion on the fact that you got Wonderboy Thompson, who flew all the way to do Stu's hometown. He, fought, he flew, Wonderboy Thompson, who's ranked number one, flies all the way to fight this number, like, eighth-ranked guy in the guy's hometown. The guy misses weight by, like, four pounds. And then Wonderboy didn't get raw, but Wonderboy got a questionable decision, you know, go against him because he fought in the guy's hometown. I mean, do you feel any sympathy for him at all? For Wonderboy? Of course.
0: I mean, normally when guys miss weight, they'll use the excuse of, Oh, you know, I had a long uh I had a long airplane flight. It made me retain water, you know, a lot of bullshit. And Darren Taylor had every avenue and every reason to not miss weight. He didn't have to travel, he was right in his hometown. Uh Everything was super comfortable for him. Everything was laid out right for Darren Hill and he still missed weight. And for those reasons I feel bad. I feel bad anytime the person who makes weight doesn't win the fight because if 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 you don't make weight that means either one um you didn't try hard enough or two well shit, you didn't try hard enough. So You're going to be in much better shape than the other guy. Because let's face it, in this day and age, everyone cuts a lot of weight in the UFC. I'm pretty sure Wonderboy cuts a healthy amount of weight as well. And he had the added stress of traveling. So I feel bad for Wonderboy there. I don't feel bad for Wonderboy losing this close decision. Because frankly, shit was a boring fight. And... Well, I thought Wonderboy won, I was completely fine with him losing that fight.
2: Mike, do you kind of almost, for me at this point, it's with a Wonderboy. I mean, it's almost... Remember when the Benson was champion, when Bendo was champion? And while we all like Bendo, we all kind of know, like, man, whether he wins or loses these decisions, I, he can't complain. Like, the way he's leaning into these close... They lean into very close, like, forcing you, like... You're depending on the judges at that point to, like, really be nuanced on a level that, like... You're asking for damn near expert analysis. <laughs>
0: there there are a few truths and axioms in life and especially in the UFC as well. If you don't check a leg kick, your mobility is gonna be compromised. If you keep your hands low, you're susceptible to getting clipped and knocked out. And the other axiom is that judging can be extremely shitty at times. So, as is on the wall in the tough house. Don't leave it in the hands of the judges because you will likely get screwed.
1: I thought yeah, we were, uh, I thought in the year 2018, we were going to add the uh, adage of Miss Waite win the fight. Yes. What are we, 7-0 yeah, now? Well, no, no, seven
2: no. We are 7-1. Somebody lost uh, on this card. Oh, miss who, Molly who, blew it? who blew it? Molly McGann, Miss Waite. And unfortunate for Miss McGann, she also has the nickname Meatball Molly, which <sighs> associated with a weight cut, Miss, just sounds a little rough. She lost. Uh, she said she wasn't going to tap to anything and she didn't because she was unconscious and then the referee noticed she was unconscious after like six seconds from a choke so it's a little did bit uncomfortable we, for all people watching did we, i didn't
1: post fight stuff did we get an official reason comma excuse
2: for the missed weight on till's end he's just a big motherfucker doesn't know how to manage his weight i'm going with he's fucking huge like, like dominic, dominic shepherds pies maybe it's
1: a strategy it's a strategy I, mean, I will say, um, real quick, if you don't mind my adding, just I, I saw a couple other people who had an agreed-upon take. Part of the the close fight thing, I think it's to what I said is uh, when we were breaking down this fight, I think part of the reason all of us are a little not upset at this decision is it's better for the division that Till won.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but also when he missed weight that bad, because people are just like, you know, he should fight this guy next. I'm like, I don't think you get to fight anybody I mean, he just fought the number one ranked guy, so I don't know what you even do with him, but like, it's just, why, wh- what do you get at it? Like, wh- wh- it's, why do you benefit from this? Because I remember there was this thing with the rankings like a week ago, which rankings are nonsense, but Angela Hill got, pa- got passed in the rankings by uh, uh, Mackenzie Dern, and Angela Hill was like, this girl showed up at like a flyweight, and I got, and just passed me in the strawweight rankings. How does that make any fucking sense?
1: Like I mean benefiting the from there with Romero, right? I mean, we're gonna break yeah. that down in a minute. The dude missed weight for an interim title fight, and you know what? you just get to fight for the actual title now whatever. Yeah, I
2: mean i'm I'm more and more Dominic Cruz said it, man, you show up overweight. you are cheating, and like you well, what is Wonder boy gonna do? Wonder boy is going to what fly home like he's gonna fly home and not get paid
0: spend all that money on cash oh, like all
2: I mean, that maybe, money maybe, to maybe he over gets. There. The sh- maybe he gets to show money if the UFC's feeling generous, which you tell me how the UFC's acting these days. You know? Like come on. You they put you in a like a truly like like Leslie Smith drew a line in the sand and Leslie Smith got paid and told her to get the told her to get the fuck out. Like you can't say no to these people. You know? You, the you other way Dana White you Dana White
0: can't say no when you're normally on the UFC broadcast as well as Wonderboy is want to do at times.
2: Well Dana White said some shit about Yaya Rodriguez it was like if I call you to take a fight, you should probably take the fight. I'm like, motherfucker, they're not your like. It's an independent contractor. <laughs> like, come on now. Um, I'm gonna run through some of the rest of this card because I um the parts I saw some um Neil Magny went out there and smoked a guy without a Wikipedia page, Craig White, and it was nice to see Magny see Neil Magny be aggressive in the first round and actually do well. Um, Arnold Allen pulled a win straight out of his ass because he was losing two rounds. And then he got—I want to say it was a ninja choke, right, Stefan? Is the the, the anaconda choke and the Darst choke? They're s-
1: so similar. I I can I don't know the subtle difference of which one's which. Well, this wasn't either. So
2: well, no, it wasn't they it, either. Well, I thought, I thought it was thought a it ninja was. choke, and then Wikipedia someone wrote front choke. Is front choke and ninja choke the same thing? On, I thought he got that
1: bicep choke when he was a uh, blocked the single
3: leg. What was it actually then? I had, Mark, you know what it was. <laughs> well, it's kind of like a. I would consider like a modified guillotine because like the anaconda chokes that you're talking about stuff there's an arm in, and they usually have to like roll them to to finish the choke and then circle in and this was more of uh yeah like a guillotine choke, but you're right it's it's not a guillotine where their head is in the side of, like under your armpit and you're arching your back up it's more that your their chin area is in the crux elbow of your arm and then yeah, I mean, I don't know what the technical Term is I I never heard of Ninja Choku. But
2: yeah, I'm well, sure what's his name? People. I think it was um, Jimmy Smith or uh, Michael. Plus, Ke- Michael. Mean, Ke- they all did great
3: different things. Well, you know, the Twister is a guillotine in wrestling, but a guillotine that we know is completely different from a Twister. You, I mean. They couldn't be more opposite, right? The twisters. You know what, my man got a choke.
2: My man was losing and he got a choke. Let's go with that. Yeah, it was was, was a
3: lot of guillotine choke, you know, like a front headlock kind
2: of choke, kind of. Um, Makwan Connie, Jason Knight. Um, I'm not. I mean, Jason Knight, I like because he has one of the best nicknames in MMA, which is Hick Diaz, because of how he fights. Uh, Kind of a rough week to have that nickname, given what's happened (sighs) in the news. But um, him and Makwan. I mean, Makwan got dropped twice in a round and came back and won this thing. Rightfully so. It was awesome, awesome. If you want to go back and watch something from this card, it would be that. And just Claudia Silva has not fought in four years due to just a multitude of injuries. And he got a win here off of Nordin Taleb. So that was, you know, it was a nice moment for him. Uh, Mike, Mike, you saw that Italian cat. What was it Caro Pedrosoli Petter, Jr.? He got a win on uh, the prelims. Anything good yeah. you see out of there?
0: Yeah, Um. he's a young kid. Uh, if I'm right, he was a last, a late-minute replacement, uh, injury replacement, um, and I saw some really good things out of him. He uh, he only won from a split decision, but he looks like he's a pretty explosive fighter. He looks pretty exciting, and um, I think there's a lot to come. So whenever you guys see him next, on he'll probably be in an undercard on his next fight, or maybe he'll be the the curtain jerker for our main event for like a fight night but i would give him a look when um he fights next and it'll likely be soon because he really didn't come away with that much damage
2: right on oh and tom breeze who we haven't seen in a couple years fight was fighting at welterweight and he's just like he's like six three came back made his middleweight debut took on old man dan kelly old man dan kelly was doing his thing out there um when it was uh, blocking all of uh, Breeze's straights and overhands, and Breeze recognized that. And he threw an uppercut, and when Dan Kelly gets hurt, it looks real sad because he looks like he's about 55 years old. It's, so just
0: uh, it's always yeah. unfortunate when the UFC broadcasters are praising a man and right when they're praising that guy, the guy gets knocked out, which is what happened to
2: Dan Kelly. Yeah. That was a sweet uppercut though. Like Dan Kelly though, it was just like, it's just somebody's dad getting beat up in a minute there. It looked like just, it was well, at least, was you know, I,
3: I think Dan is all right after that loss because it looks like he ran to wiki and put that loss as a win on his record. So he just, <laughs> <laughs> three thirty-three knockout. Um, but yeah, no, no good, good correcting ship for Tom. He lost his last fight. And, uh, I think going back to middleweight was a good move for him. So good
2: stuff. Um, So the biggest news that happened, so that was it for this card that we're going to get into. Um, The biggest thing that happened since our last show, by a mile, is the UFC's ESPN deal, which I believe happened after our show last week, because I really don't think we talked about that one, because I think we would have spent at least the whole show doing that. The UFC signed a deal with ESPN. Um, We're not going to get into the nitty gritty of this right now, because quite frankly, we can't do that and preview UFC 225 without this being a three hour show. So um, we'll get into that for sure. Um, Those of us who have been watching ESPN our whole lives definitely have some thoughts. Because if I got to watch Stephen A. Smith do post-fight shows, I might kill myself. Um, I'm excited for that. (laughs) He's just going to yell at you? (laughs) (laughs) Amanda Nunes has to be more aggressive for her legacy. (laughs) Shit like that. (laughs) Mike's looking forward to that shit. Um, Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. So, um, at minimum, I'm excited for one part, which is everything's on one platform.
0: I've, uh, I've also canceled my, uh, renewing a subscription to fight pass because after a conversation with Bobby, where he says, so wait a second. So everything that's on fight pass is going to be on ESPN plus.
2: Well, this is what I it sounds immediately like.
0: Immediately went to fight pass and canceled.
2: I mean, we'll knock this part out. Dana White talked about some of this stuff, um, Fight Pass is definitely for the people who have are international for sure. Because as you know, if you're international, you can watch everything. If your country doesn't have UFC TV rights, that's how you watch stuff. Is UFC Fight Pass. And uh, but if they're going to be where the fight library is. That's going to be where Invicta is, which means Invicta got proper fucked out of this. Um, EBI's on there. Some I think they got Glory still. They might have like some Legacy. They have a lot of random promotions on there. Um, that's going to be Fight Pass. ESPN Plus is gonna have uh, twenty events, so twenty of the thirty events will be ESPN Plus. So,
0: so I'm assuming Fight Pass is gonna be much less expensive now, right? Like that w- should better be like four bucks a month.
2: You would something. think so. If they're you know if the UFC costs five dollars, you think the Fight Pass should cost? You think Invicta would cost you know less? Just you know our two cents there. Um, all right, and there's also a card this weekend which has. Marlon Moraes versus Jimmy Rivera, which is a really good fight, but then, you know, we've been talking about it for weeks. These last three cards could have been one card. And it's, you know, not. Instead it, it's,
3: it's sprinkled with some, uh, what I consider to be some interesting I mean, Gregor, fights, is a good fighter. Like, none of the fights I'm like, I'm like, oh, Ben Sanders and the aforementioned Jake Ellenberger. That's kind of interesting because I know those two guys, but it's not high caliber. Volante uh, fighting Sam Alvey, who's moving up to light heavyweight. Kind of interesting, but God, no, Sam Alvey fights can be real boring. I don't think uh, well, I mean, Volante will let him do that. But, you, yeah, it's got, sprinkled with some interesting stuff.
2: I mean, Gregor Gillespie, we talked about him, how, like, he needs to get more attention just given the run he's on and how young he is and all that. And, like, he's 11-0. and 0. You know, it would like, be nice to give us some, him some attention, but he's fighting in the middle of this card, so maybe not so much. Um, all right, UFC 225 is coming to you guys in two weeks from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Headlined by Bobby Knuckles versus Yoel Romero 2. Co main event with a fake belt between Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington. Real, I mean, really fake because the champion's real healthy. Um, let's get into it. Uh, this thing is deep. We're going to pick 10 of these fights. Uh, apologies to Rashad Evans because I don't want to, it's going to make me sad. Not the big, it'd make me sad to pick against him. So we're going to skip that one. A couple other ones too. Um, Bobby Knuckles, Yoel Romero, these guys did this fight, I want to say about a year ago, um, if I remember correctly, Yoel Romero, Bobby Knuckles fought July 2017, um, with, uh, Bobby Knuckles taking a decision, um, three to two across the board, I don't re- not remember it being that close at all, uh, to be honest, um, Bobby Knuckles is coming to this one, minus 220, Yoel Romero plus 180. I mean, you guys just heard what I said. I didn't remember the first one being that close. I got Bobby Knuckles being Bobby Knuckles, Stefan
1: ah uh, same. you know i we we've we've kind of been coming up to this one for a while, and I think we all said there's plenty of places for Whitaker to improve, but what can Romero really do differently? it like you said, it's closer than we remember, so I can't see it going any different any different.
2: Mike, who's your pick? and is he well actually gonna make weight?
1: Mm, I think he'll make weight,
0: but that really isn't going to matter. Bobby Knuckles handled him pretty well the last time, so I'm sticking with that pick.
2: Yeah, Marcus. And shit, man, do you remember—Mark, do you remember this being 3-2? I remember thinking Bobby Knuckles won this thing, like, real clearly when it was over.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to remember the finite details of each round and, you know, who won what. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think we're all picking—it was Whitaker's last fight. He won. I think we all— Thought he handled that fight, you know, very well. You know, he looked good in that fight. Um, that all being said, I mean, Romero's an extremely dangerous guy. Like, th- he has the kind of power that he could beat anybody in any given day. You know, it's just, is Whitaker going to make that mistake for Romero to capitalize on? I don't think he is. So, but not to, you know, discount Romero, which I think, you know, the toughest part of this fight for him is just going to be fighting the
2: scale. Um, co-main event, um, interim title fight between uh, Colby Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, Colby Covington has been on a roll, folks. Colby Covington is 13-1 and one overall, his only loss being to Worley Alves. Um, he's won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 straight fights. Um, last one over Damian Maya. Um, in the meantime, he's pissed off everybody just by being like the crappiest heel anybody's ever heard of. Just terrible. Um... Rafael Dos Anjos, former lightweight champion. Something people aren't really talking about is... I mean, this is not the real belt, but he's going for another belt. So, props to that. 3-0 at welterweight with three really impressive performances. Um, Handled Robbie Lawler in that last fight he had um, back in December. This is a really close fight. Minus 130 for... um... Oh, I lost the damn thing. Where'd I go? Someone tell me the odds. Minus 130 for Dos Anjos and plus 110 for Colby Compton. Virtually a coin toss. Yeah, um Stefan, uh, what are we are we going to have uh, Covington go out there and quite frankly I think we all got to recognize that in terms of selling stuff, Covington and Covington and Woodley probably, you know, sell more, I'd imagine, just cuz dos Anjos is the friendliest man in the world it seems like, but who do what who do you think is going to come out of this one with the victory? Mm-hmm. Um I feel
1: like I've never picked him in any of his fights in this division. But I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to go with Dos Anjos. Um, Covington is doing the Mayweather thing. Of You know why he's being a big asshole? To mask how boring and one-dimensional of a fighter he is. He has shown, in, in his win streak, he's shown no striking acumen. He's shown no finishing capability. He's a good, strong wrestler. And we've seen that archetype. And we've seen Dos Anjos know how to handle that archetype. He has jiu-jitsu. He has grappling. He's unusually strong for that compact size he is you know he's a very densely like low center of gravity dude and he has the striking to punish covington on top of that covington with the five rounds i i've seen no evidence of it and that wrestling style takes a lot of energy um and i know dos anos won't fade dos anos you have to put him away him to go away he doesn't fade on his own you have to really put it on him and I've never seen Covington do that to someone so yeah you're right it's not getting talked about but Dos Anjos might enter that two division champions club
2: yeah and um, you mentioned Dos Anjos not fading we of course saw him and uh, Tony Ferguson fight five hard rounds in Mexico City and it wasn't that, like Tony, Tony beat him but that was five hard rounds and he was there they were both there um. Yeah, I kind of think the world of Rafael dos Anjos. Um, he's excellent, and he didn't get a lot of attention when he was champion. But those were slaughters when he was fighting dudes. Like he beat the shit out of people, and he still fights that way. Um, Covington, I don't think he can keep this up for five rounds. Well, I mean, I'm gonna say it, it's better for the division if Covington wins, just because I maybe somebody gives a shit about one of these title fights. Though, um, Woodley doesn't want to fight Covington and I don't think it's any sort of like matchup thing as Woodley just doesn't like to give this guy any attention um Dos Anjos is great and I think Dos Anjos is gonna win but this is a close fight for a reason and I don't know Covington's a big dude maybe he can impose a grappling game plan on him I just don't think it's gonna happen uh Marcus what do you think
3: uh like you guys I'm going with Dos Anjos too but there's some caveats here um I think when Steph said that Dos Anjos has met these kind of fighters before and has done well. Um, You look back in his record, and this is a while ago, but he struggled against guys who can grapple. Um, Just looking back through his record, Habib, I mean, no credit loss there. Dude's top class. But um, Gleason Tebow, a guy that kind of can you know, wrestle you down and strong arm you. Clay Glita, he lost to, and Tyson Griffin. So those are kind of wrestler types that he's had trouble in. Now, these are fights far removed i'm talking about like 11 stuff so i think we're seeing a different dos años here but he hasn't really fought a strong wrestler in a while so i feel like that skill set might cause him some potential problems but i think all the other caveats that you brought up uh bob about like his heart his stamina um it obviously his striking is a lot more well-rounded and uh Comington, when you look at his kind of lead up to the title fight it's just not sprinkled with those names that make me think like okay this guy has fought really high caliber guys and a lot of different looks and has done well in those fights um i mean his biggest win was damien maya that he just saw and that was just a sloppy stand-up fight and that's what you can get with maya when you can negate the ground game altogether and then some of the other guys he fought just really aren't the highest caliber when you look at stun guns and his fight after before that and these are his highest caliber fighters were look at the saunas he beat robbie lawler neil magny and Safadine. these are guys i really respect besides all the stuff he did at light heavyweight fighting you know top contenders tony ferguson eddie alvarez cerrone pettis diaz ben henderson you know he, i think he's been fighting the higher caliber guys he's had a lot of different looks and has been successful i just don't think covington has that underneath them so I, i'm pretty comfortable picking Del Sanios on this one
2: mike what do you think
3: give me rda on this one uh the
0: only reason i've never Really liked RDA in his division. I think it's a played out excuse at this point because he's won every match at Walter Waite. And that excuse has been, oh, well, he'll be too small. I think he's proven that doesn't really matter. And to allude to what Stefan said earlier, I mean, Covington fought Maya almost to a draw in a stand up match, and he didn't look spectacular in a stand up match against Damian Maya. It's
2: fair. Um, close fight on the on the betting lines but I think we all just we want we didn't see enough yet to pick Covington basically man dosanjos is only 33 and Marcus you brought up that Clay Guida fight we were at that fight that shit was 9 years ago I'm realizing it was like, so long ago yeah like, that's so I mean he, I'm not saying as I like it, to dismiss like the thing I'm saying is like he's been around forever <laughs>
1: it's all those fights mark mentioned which is why I couldn't buy into dosanjos even when he yeah. was a champion, it's, it, it, it just left – like, you know, the t valve marks, right? There was a stigma, and we always mentioned it, why I would pick against him, is I have the stigma in my head of him losing to non-spectacular guys. But clearly, when he joined Kings, he, he turned a corner, and we saw it when it happened. We saw when mean, he ascended.
2: We know the real turn, turning of the corner. We were at that Cleguida fight. He broke his jaw. They gave him a titanium jaw, and now you can't knock out Rafael Dos Anjos without a goddamn sledgehammer. So Eddie like- Alvarez – Eddie Alvarez, I think, like seven hundred times. Luger, then? That's that's exactly what it is, man. He's Lex Luger with the forearm back in the day. Good call. <laughs> um, all right, Holly Holm versus uh, Megan An- or Megan Anderson. Um, this originally wasn't on the main card. They bumped Overeem and Curtis Blades off of it to put it wow. on the main card. Um, Overeem didn't care. Overeem getting paid, and Curtis Blaydes doesn't matter sure
3: because he probably never gets pay per view points because he clears it, like a million. Well,
2: Overeem says says it's good because if his fans in Europe will be a little bit earlier, they can watch the fight. So, um, Holly Holm, we last fought, saw her fight, um, Chris Cyborg, which I f- forgot every aspect of that fight that happened. But she's lost four or five fights, losing to Misha, then Valentina, then Jermaine Duran. though, I don't know about that one. Um, then she kicked Betch in the head. Then she lost to Cyborg. Megan Anderson, um, hasn't fought in quite some time. Uh, January 2017, her last fight where she beat Charmaine Tweet. Um, actually watch that one. Um, uh, Mike, turn off your microphone. Can you hear? Yeah. Can you hear my family in the background? Yes, I, ca- I can. I can't. Yes. I apologize for that. It's okay. Um. Holly Holm minus 245, Megan Anderson plus 205. I don't understand this matchup because I know that we wanted Cyborg to fight Megan Anderson, and that's because Megan Anderson is the only person her size that looks anyway decent at 145, but she's not there's – a, there's a lot to be left there. She's 8-2, and, and she could really – I mean, there's a reason she's, my, she's a big underdog in this one. She could really easily go out here – and have a rough night against somebody as tactical as Holly Holm, and then we again have no matchup at 145 pounds, which is exactly what I think is going to happen because I don't think Megan, Megan Anderson's ready, and I don't think eighteen months off did anything to help the chances of her winning this fight, despite Holly Holm being on a bit of a rough patch here. Um, so I got I got Holly Holm, um, Mike. What do you think?
0: I apologize for my extremely loud uh, sister in the background. Um, I agree with you. I have home in this fight as well. Um, I will have to apologize. I think I've only seen one Megan Anderson fight um, in my lifetime. So I don't have too much information on her. But from what I remember, she was pretty aggressive um, in her stand-up. And outside of Cyborg, normally Holly Holm does pretty well with aggressive fighters. Uh, she's still a pretty good uh, counter-striker and um say what you want about holly home in my opinion she's still one of the top five female fighters in the world and yeah this is going to put the ufc back in another conundrum where there's no one for cyborg to fight this doesn't make any
1: sense this matchup
2: yeah she's going to be up there she's going to beat up the middle uh, beat up the bantamweight champion that makes a lot of sense um Stefan, what do you got <laughs> i
1: think it i think it's a choice expression that mike said say what you will about holly holmes because i'll say it right now um I frankly don't have a frame of reference for Megan Anderson and that's why I can't pick her. But Holly Holm is the most eminently beatable top 5 fighter in any division in the UFC. There is no one I cannot see her losing, not lo- like losing to. I could picture her losing to absolutely any fighter now based on the fight she had and it's not I'm not trying to bag her cuz I really like her and I really root for her, but she just her style she just doesn't fight sometimes we've said it; she just looks like she's sparring out there you know she's throwing with no purpose i can see her losing to absolutely anybody so seeing her being such a big favorite just makes me feel nervous but i can't pick megan because i don't have a frame of reference for her i mean if
0: we remember in the uh betch fight that was a pretty lackluster fight as well and so the question yeah. mark kick.
2: Mike, I was going to say, yeah, that was uh, nothing happened for... The the, the fight ended in a minute and nine seconds into the third round. Nothing happened for 16 minutes. I mean, 11 minutes, not 16 minutes. 11 minutes, nothing happened, and then she kicked her in the head, which was awesome to see because I think Koya would like taunted her right beforehand or something, but like, yeah. Uh, Marcus, what do you think? Clean sweep, or are you going to pick the uh, upset from Invicta here, the former Invicta featherweight champion?
3: No, it is, and uh, I... A lot of my analysis kind of mirrors what Stefan said. But uh, just the caveat that um, Holly Holm, I think she looked pretty good in the Chris Cyborg fight. And I totally get the argument that, like, it doesn't make sense. She could potentially kill off another contender. But I don't think UFC is going to have any problems at all if Holly Holm does beat uh, Megan to throw Holly and Cyborg in a rematch. Because, I mean... There's not a lot of contenders at that weight division, and that was a closer fight for Chris Cyborg fight. It went five rounds. That's something that a lot of girls can't do. So I don't think the UFC is looking at this as like, oh, if Holly wins, we're in a really sticky situation. I think they're saying, like, whoever wins this fight is going to fight Cyborg. And, it, I mean, we are, we've obviously seen Holly get title shots off of losses and stuff before. So her coming off a win is going to be, you know, a grand, you know, signing for them. Like, oh, look at... Holly Holm, we can totally put her in a title fight. She won a fight last time, whereas other fights, like she's fighting for a title, and she just lost a fight. So I, I, I think that they can still make something out of this mess. Obviously, if Megan wins, the picture's a lot clearer, right? She beat Holly Holm. Everyone knows who Holly Holm is. She's, you know, while she is on a really rough patch right now, and like Stefan said, you can see her losing a lot of fights, because even when she was winning fights, besides the Ronda one, a lot of them were really close. You look at the Pennington fight. So um, I, I don't think this is a a lose, there's a lose scenario here for the UFC because 145 is already a lose scenario for them. So as long as they could get someone in that slot against Cyborg, which I think whoever wins this fight will slot in there just fine, I think they're going to be alright with what they're trying to and can accomplish at 145 for the women's division.
2: Alright. That's all of us. Another clean sweep, huh? I think there might be a few of them on this card. As I told you when we started, I'm like, despite some of these odds... I mean, I don't know. We maybe got a bit of a group but a bit of group think going on here. Um Andre Arlovsky, tied to Ivasa, um Andre Arlovsky, uh I think la- he got he not, didn't he knock a dude out last time we saw him? Or am I am I inventing shit in my head? Thought Arlovsky looked pretty good in his last fight. Unless I'm not, yeah. He beat up oh, it wasn't he didn't look that good. He beat up Stefan Struve. It was more so us being disappointed in Stefan Struve for the somehow still disappointed in Stefan Struve years later. Ty Duvassa
1: five times to turn on a guy with my namesake.
2: Yeah, Ty Duvassa got his second UFC win back in February, where he knocked out Cyril Asker in two minutes, and then drank a beer out of a shoe because that's a thing in Australia. It's called a shoey. Um, I mean Stefan, before this show started, you were like Tuivasa, which was you're like which was Tuivasa, and I said you're like oh yeah Arlovski's getting knocked out. Yeah, that I got that Arlovski's getting knocked out. I got Tuivasa. What do you got, Steph?
1: (laughs) I agree, man. And it's just a Hmm. bit of foreshadowing to another pick that I'll make down the line. But Tuivasa is the rare and elusive young heavyweight prospect. Um, And we need some of those, you know. Um, And I will say the thing about him is when you see his physique, it really masks that he's actually a pretty agile athletic dude. You see him carrying a little bit of extra, but the dude has some moves in the cage. So um, this should be a fun
2: fight mike what do you think
0: i'm praying for some new young blood in the heavyweight division uh this isn't against Sarlovsky, but it's against Sarlovsky
3: because i want to see some young bloods win
2: fair enough marcus
3: yeah um kind of this fight reminds me a little bit of the fight we just talked about but in this context mean stuff have context for this guy and he's like oh he's looked pretty good and andre really rocky uh road so yeah just i think we're all not only do we think i do we all think he's gonna win but i think we are all agree like the division needs him to win and luckily he's young enough that if he does lose here i don't think you know the wheels fall off the cart totally he could still be someone in this division which they badly need guys like andre and that whole kind of guard or there's only so much more time they can compete so we have to get the young blood in here. He needs this kind of win. And I think if he wins here, you know, there's another heavyweight title, not title, fight, another couple heavyweight fights on here. And I think he could easily, if he wins, fight whoever wins Overeem Blades. And if Blades beats Overeem, I mean, then we got a couple of young blood coming in. So good stuff for the division. We're starting to see some percolation and interesting uh, new fighters coming up.
2: Man, there's 42 fight cards next year. We got we to gotta get some of these young cats in there. We got to start getting some stars on... Uh, you know, on the on these Disney networks, and uh, I love, I, man, I I was hyped, I, I was hyped when Andre Arlovsky was making that comeback. But let's, you know, let's, you know, we we know what this is, we know who he's feeding him to here. Um, most controversial fight because people are fucking idiots and don't understand how pay per views work. That's on the main card is CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. Uh, Dana White said it well. He says when Alistair Overeem sells more pay per views than CM Punk, I'll put Alistair Overeem on pay per view over CM Punk. Which is a fair assessment, quite frankly. Um, we've all, we, everybody's talking about this thing. We don't need to get too far into it. I just want to say this for this betting line that CM Punk is, uh, was he plus one ninety and Mike Jackson's minus two thirty. Um, it took uh, what's his name, three minutes to beat him. Uh, what was the kid's name Mickey Gall? Right, right, yep. Uh, Mike Jackson is zero and one, and it took Mickey Gall forty five seconds to beat him. So I'm not sure what happened, and I know we like Mike Jackson's a charismatic dude and he's talking a bunch of shit. And but like I don't know what's happened that I gotta somehow think he's somehow special. That like somehow he's going to do like he's any better than Punk. Like maybe he's been doing this longer, I guess. But I he's 0 1 -1 as an amateur and 0-1 as a pro. I don't know what I'm supposed to why I'm supposed to think CM Punk's gonna get you know railed here. Um so, I quite frankly think I got as much information about these guys, both of these guys, going into it. And I'm taking the voice oh, of the not, voices. You're not doing it. Oh, God. The best in the world. Oh, all right. Jesus. The two-time Mr. Money in the Bank. The longest reigning WWF champion of the modern era. Yeah, I'm taking CM Punk, man. This is in Chicago. And um, the last time he, come, I mean, not competed, but he performed in Chicago was one of the, like, I mean, Stefan's seen the Money in the Bank match. Where people lost their damn mind. It was the coolest shit ever. I'm rooting for a happy scenario, and I love CM Punk. CM Punk is still is my guy. So I, I mean, hope this scenario wins. when Mike Jackson walks out. Do we hear that? Oh my God! He should, come, he should come out to like Triple H's music is what he should come out to, or he should come out to Vince's music to be even better. A little no chance in hell. That'd be awesome. Um, look, we all know what this is. Yeah, I hope he wins. Um, he's already sold out. Like a like. A nine-hour autograph session for the day before that big independent show and I've been talking about for months. so he'll be uh, he'll be there if he doesn't win this fight he'll be at the event watch but if he does win and he keeps to keep this dream alive of his I think it'd be nice too and hell man if Robert Whitaker gets a bigger paycheck and I don't know who else gets points but like if all these guys get more attention because you know CM Punk's on the card everybody wins so I got CM Punk Stefan Well, Mark has uh, been famous to uh, use the expression,
1: someone's O has got to go. And it is very uncommon that we're talking about that in the win column. Like, someone's (laughs) going to get that. Usually it's a matchup of two undefeated fighters. We have a matchup of two winless fighters. There could be a disqualification. Oh, my God. You know the dream scenarios. We have to add a new column. could be a tie. Uh, but that said, since Bobby went to me next, this is where Mike and Mark get to be sane people and gain up a point up on me in the in the standings if they want. I can't not pick CM Punk. The one who said, Bobby, I know you've been off wrestling for a while. You know Bobby's big delving back into pro wrestling. You know who ended up cracking that emergency glass who put the first crack in it? It was me when I said, Bobby, you got to watch this CM Punk guy. I watched this shit over and over again, and I haven't seen wrestling in like a decade. That's what it is. The very true. I, I just, I'm just rooting for this guy. I like his story. I'm a fan of his uh, wife, AJ Lee, and She, she has a damn hard time watching him fight. I don't want her to be sad. So, come on, Phil Brooks, in your hometown, you got to be like the Brazilians when they're in Brazil, man. You got to do it for your people. Yep.
3: Um, Marcus, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, a tough fight to really kind of breakdown there's you don't have a lot of footage or anything to look at they have one common opponent they both lost in the same way and like bobby said you know mike jackson lost a lot quicker than cm punk but really not a lot to take away what i do like about this fight is this is the caliber of fighter that cm punk should have been facing him fight facing mickey gall was we said at the time i'll say it now was ridiculous that's just like why bring this guy in just again demolish you know bring him in against people that he's going to be able to compete against. And I want to see CM Punk compete. Um, I am going with Mike Jackson. Um, I agree with Bobby that it's kind of, you don't, why would you feel confident in Mike Jackson over CM Punk? It's really, this guy doesn't have 20, 30 years of doing something completely different with his body, where he's doing chops. I mean, this guy, all his physical activities have probably, at least in training, have been throwing punches, you know, looking to actually land and hurt somebody where CM Punk is, Spent a majority of his career learning how to do slams and maneuvers while doing them safely and making him look flashy, jumping off the top rope. A lot of these skills just don't apply in an MMA thing. He basically has to relearn a lot of the things that he spent, you know, the vast majority of his life learning. And I think that is the only detriment that I look at with this new fighter and say, like, his road might be a little bit more rocky than someone who just came in and is like, yeah, I'm just an athletic person and now I'm going to learn boxing. Where CM Punk's like, I've been pro wrestling With for how many years did he mean about 20 25 years or something like that? And then you could add on all the wear and tear that's gone on his body and stuff, all these other X factors that he's bringing along with his pro wrestling stuff, which is, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's a detriment to this guy, it might be in the fight wise, but all that stuff adds up to his popularity, right? And that's why he's getting this shot. So um, I'm a little bit more comfortable going with Mike Jackson just because he hasn't perfected another form of physical activity and then is trying to go into this one. He's just going to this one. Um, But I I think it's going to be tough. I think we're going to see an amateurish like fight, but ultimately what I really want to see is just CM Punk get some time in there, get some rounds under his belt and just see what can this guy do? What has he learned in the course of him training in MMA? You know, is he a good stand-up fighter? Is he someone who's going to have some acclament on the ground? These are all things we didn't learn at all in his first fight. So I just want to see what what CM Punk's going to be able to bring to the table. I think, Uh, Jackson's a good stand-up fighter, so I think CM Punk might want to take it to a ground. It'll be interesting to see the CM Punk form some kind of strategy. Like, is he going to go in there and be like, I want to clinch and take it to the ground and fight on top? And that's something that he's been cultivating? Or is he just like, he's so new to this, he's just been trying to learn all the pieces of the game and uh, it's just going to try to display those. To, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's an interesting fight to see what he's going to bring to the table.
2: Is is the Jackson got like a boxing back? I honestly, you said he was a good striker. I I, mean, he got I, punched in the face, then so choked. If, I don't if, remember what he did. If
0: I <laughs> may, um, to give you a bit of history on Mr. Mike Jackson, Mike, the truth Jackson, since uh, you guys. Mike, are, Derek
2: Lewis's personal photographer, Jackson, is this job title. But okay. Yo,
0: man, why are you taking my shine? I looked all this up. I was going to say that. Come on, Bobby. Come on, sir. Go son. ahead.
2: I apologize. Go ahead.
0: Thank you. Well, as you already alluded to, um, he is a personal photographer for Derek Lewis. Um, he actually has a uh, professional boxing record. Uh, he amassed a 4 0 record between 2013 and 2017. He's 33, he was a 2011 Houston Golden Gloves champion. As you alluded to before, he has a, a single amateur loss in MMA and professional as well. And on, Mike. Corey's dad was a
2: Golden Glove boxer. <laughs> Mark Merrow was a Golden Gloves barker, boxer. Hey, Everybody um, gets Golden Gloves. Me.
0: Is CM Punk a Golden Gloves boxer?
2: He could no.
1: be if he tried. Yeah, let's give him a week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. He's done more shit than CM Punk. And also... An 0 1 record is not created the same with each individual. When Aaron Pico was 0 1, none of us are thinking this guy is trash. He is going to get killed the next time he goes out there. Okay? So just because both of these guys aren't 0 1 doesn't mean CM Punk isn't going to get smoked.
1: I get Mike. it. Mike. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's scarred in my brain the image of CM Punk hitting the mitts. And how poorly he hits the mitts. <laughs> I pictured the Homer Simpson thing where CM Punk punches the fly in the mitt. And then the fly flies away perfectly fine. Because there was no contact. But I want the heart wants what it wants.
2: Yeah, I just want to say, while I'm picking CM Punk, what I'm saying is, this guy is bad too. Because, well, you said 0 and ones aren't equally. The fight started. He got punched in the mouth. He got choked out. That's but all Mickey Gall did to this guy. That was the like, whole fight.
0: But Bobby, much like when you watch a class of six-year-olds, play basketball, they all suck. But the team that has the one kid that doesn't suck as bad, that kid might as well be Jordan.
2: I'm just saying this guy looked just as bad.
1: I'm just saying CM (laughs) Punk doesn't have to be good. Sometimes guys just like break a bone in a weird scramble and then they have to tap out. Maybe that's what Mike Jackson
2: does in this fight. I'd I'm gonna tell you it. right now. I I guarantee you, Michael J- Mike Jackson's grappling sucks. And if I'm CM Punk, and that's no thing, I came in with knowing a little bit of jujitsu. That's what I would go after. That's just me, because I saw him try to throw a punch in that fight against Mickey Gall too. You stop on your right. It wasn't good. Okay, we somehow spent more on this fight than any other fight, which is amazing. Because this is the, fight the that brings in the buys. Baby. All right, we got we, we're gonna pick up the pace here. Uh, Alistair Overeem, Curtis Blades. Overeem is the underdog. Uh, Curtis Blades is coming into this one. At uh minus 140, Overeem plus 120. Basically, you pick 'em. Blades is nine, one, and one, should be ten and one, but apparently uh you smoke weed in the state of uh in the state of Texas, they take your win away from you. Um Curtis Blades, man, Mark Hunt punched him right in the fucking face, and Curtis Blades survived that shit. And then people booed him for not wanting to get punched in the face by Mark Hunt. I'm gonna take Curtis Blades, and it's n- not so much that I have a strong feeling about this fight. But like with a lot of fights we're picking these days, it'd just be better if Overeem lost this fight. So I got Curtis Blades because it's quite frankly a pick-em, and I could see this going either way. Marcus?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know I'm picking Reem. Um, I, I think Blades' best chance for victory here, and, it's kind of t- and I'm trying to remember exactly how his wrestling – because I think he, a lot of his takedowns come from the clinch, and that's going to be tough against Overeem. If, if, if Blades was a guy that had a, a, a dynamite double – then he might have a better chance. And and even then, like Reem, I mean, and to be fair, there's not a lot of high caliber wrestlers that Reem has faced uh, over the stint of his career, but he's not a guy to necessarily get grounded a lot and just lose a fight off his back. You know, he's, He's pretty well-rounded, especially if he goes for a shot. He could get snatched in a guillotine. And if Blades has to take him down to the clinch, I think he's going to run into a lot of problems because that's that's one of uh, Overeem's strength, is that he's really good in the clinch, not only just controlling it, but doing damage there as well. Um, and, and really, Reem's biggest kind of knock is that. like His chin's very questionable. And Curtis, I mean, I think anyone could tag Reem and finish the fight there. But if Curtis's, if, if blades main strategy here is like, okay, I got to get this guy to the ground. So I got to get in the clinch. And I think him trying to get in the clinch might be tough. He could run into some opposition, some uppercuts, knees, push kicks, trying to get in there. And once he's there, he might not like it all that much. So I, I feel like this is a really tough fight. And there's, I mean, at this point in Overeem's career, he has a lot of holes in his game. Uh, and blades could potentially, you know, um, capitalize on those but i think I, i'm gonna be most surprised if blades wins this fight by just outworking over him in the clinch i think that's gonna be the most telling thing if he knocks over him out that's not a big surprise if he's able to shoot on him i'd be a little surprised there. i mean really it's just if blades is able to implement a wrestling strategy that basically hinges on him getting in clinches and getting takedowns and he's successful i'll be really surprised with with his skill cap there um but Blades, he's an up-and-comer guy too i agree with bobby over him at this point he got his title shot it didn't work out for him I wouldn't as a fan of his I wouldn't be upset if he gets another shot I just don't know if he's if he's at that level anymore to beat guys like Stipe um with the punching power and the wrestling acumen that he has so um I'm going with Reem but I think it's gonna be a tough fight it's gonna be an interesting fight and ultimately I'm kind of looking at blades and seeing like what can you do how are you gonna win this fight because I think that's the more interesting avenue obviously Reem's gonna try to knock his head off so Stefan uh, I'm
1: taking Blades, and I'm basically just split the difference on your two points. Yeah, I, I I was super impressed by Blades' ability to come back from a Hunt Haymaker. Very few people are still standing after that. Um, and yeah, Overeem he will present challenges to take down, but if he does get him down, man, any level of ground and pound will put Alistair Overeem out. So you don't even got to be that good about it. So I, I I see Blades by knockout. I just can't I can't picture a world where Overeem doesn't get knocked out anymore. Mike.
0: I'm going to go with Curtis Blades. I just realized I was
2: muted. I'm sorry. 3-1 to one for Curtis Blades. Rooting for that youth movement. I'm not even sure how young this guy is, to be honest.
1: I said I was foreshadowing. It's it's the new wave
2: to retire this old wave. Oh, he's in Chicago, too, and this guy's from Chicago. Worth mentioning. I'm not sure if that helps or hurts. Claudia Gadelia is a massive favorite on this in this fight against Carla Esparza. Biggest favorite I see right now. Minus 450 to plus 360. Um... Carla Sparza's soul was taken by Joanna Jędrzejczyk. <sighs> okay, <laughs> that was that was what happened, and nothing was the same afterwards. Honestly, Claudia's awesome, and I know she lost to Jessica Andaraj, and and she's kind of jumping around a bunch of camps. I can't pick Carla sparza. Claudia Gadelha is gonna win. Mike,
0: uh, Joanna, former champion, did her best sung on Carla Sparza, but yo. Jessica Andraz did some pretty good soul reaping on Claudia Gadelia as well. So it'll be interesting to see how she comes back from that. This is her first fight since then, no? Yep. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how she comes back. I'm still going to play Claudia because, as you guys know, Claudia my girl. So she's only lost to Joanna, former champion, and Andraj. That's not a very big list. And while Esparza was champion, I mean, she was champion coming off that season of tough and she beat an extremely young Rose uh, to be And I mean, frankly, she hasn't really done much in the UFC that looks that impressive since then. So I'm going with
1: Claudia in this fight. Stefan. Uh, Carla's a scrappy type of grappler. Meanwhile, Jessica Andrade, she's a farm girl force of nature type of grappler. So they're not even the same type of level. And on top of that, the, the, I think the key X factor that neither of you mentioned thus far is this is a three-round fight, and you know Claudia is a monster for two. So it's Claudia all the way.
3: Marcus? Yeah, I'm going to split it here. Um, I'm going to go with Carla. Um, I, I've always been a big fan. Uh, I think she, she's coming off a really big win off of Cynthia, right? I don't think any of us picked her to beat Cynthia. I think she's riding high off that. And I feel like, you know, if she can get it to the ground, like you guys mentioned, um, uh, Claudia has had some stamina problems if she can't get things going early on and has to fight off her back and then she's in the third round having been grounded for a couple rounds i i see an avenue where carla can win this fight i think it's going to be tough um obviously she's not the favorite in this fight uh claudia has done a lot more work in this division and has beat better girls um but i think carla potentially could have a style that could be challenging for her.
2: marcus lang is nuts on the line there the biggest underdog on the card uh, um really what
0: that's the biggest undergar- un- uh, underdog on the card? Not CM Punk?
2: No. The, the, the other guy lost in 45 seconds to Mickey Gall. Nobody knows if any of these guys are good, Mike.
0: 2011 Golden Gloves champ. What's up? In
2: 2011 CM Punk won the WWF Championship. All right? Things happened in 2011. <laughs> um, Ricardo Lamas coming back from getting knocked out by an overweight Josh Emmett. Uh to take on Mursad Bektik, who uh, righted the train after Darren Elkins went uh went all Tim Boch on him in the third round of their fight with that crazy comeback. Um I don't like this fight for Mursad Bektik because I I liked what they were doing with him before he lost that fight. And man, Ricardo Lamas is really good. And um while I believe in Mursad as a a prospect. I gotta go Ricardo Lamas. I think Ricardo Lamas still has enough in the tank to get this thing done, especially fighting in Chicago. He's gonna be hyped to fight in his hometown. Trains in Chicago, actually, at MMA Masters over there, so I got got Lamas. Uh, Mark? Uh, Yeah, I'm going with Lamas, too. Um, uh, I think...
3: uh Bectic is, you know, a fun prospect, but I think he this is a good challenge, a tough challenge for him, and it's really up to him. Like, is he is he going to meet the challenge? Is he of the caliber that we think he potentially can be? I think he's getting the shot, maybe a little earlier than maybe we were anticipating, but it's going to be a tough hill to climb. And uh, so I'm going with Lamas in this one. I just don't know enough about Bectic uh, uh, and if his skill set, if he's going to be able to compete with a guy like uh, Lamas. So looking in this
2: one.
1: Oh, God, I don't really know why I'm doing it. This is the pulling a pick out of my ass moment of the of the podcast. I'm going to go with Bektik, and I, I don't know why. It's I look at Llamas. Him losing to Emmett really took a lot of shine off for me. He's 36 years old. The other guy's got one loss. I, it looks
2: sexy to me. That looks like a sexy up-and-comer. I, I have so little information you, you about know what? Bektik. This is all Step just failing right now. Stefan, it's not out of the question, because literally he was beating the shit out of Darren Elkins, and that's his only loss. Darren Elkins just pulled it out of his ass. Like, like
1: I said, it's sometimes things do it, and the the Emmett thing, it, it took a lot. I mean, that's that kind of got the ball rolling on the Miss Waite uh, bonanzas, but uh, yeah, I, Llamas, I, I feel that fate is coming. He might prove me wrong. Mike.
2: Oh, wait. Mike disappeared. We'll have to come (laughs) back to him for his hot take We'll have to come back to Mike. (laughs) I looked over. I'm like, wait, there's no Mike. Um, Versad, Mectic, Ricardo Lamas, done. Joseph Benavidez, Sergio Pettis. Um, We haven't seen Benavidez since he fought um, back in December of 2016 when he beat Henry Cejudo in a split, a fight that was very, very close. A lot of people probably, like me included, thought Cejudo might have taken that one. I've been saying this for the last few times with Benavides, how like eventually he's not gonna be just the best flyweight, not that's not the champion. Um Sergio Pettis is awesome, but Sergio Pettis doesn't finish anybody, and in a three round fight, I still got Joseph Benavides getting his job getting the job done. So I got Benavides. Uh Stefan.
1: Yeah, earlier when I picked Dos Anios, I finally picked a guy that I never picked. Um in the case of Sergio Pettis, I will continue never picking him. Joseph Benavides. Mark?
2: Yeah, yeah, Benavides all day. Mike, give us your uh, Benavides or Pettis pick, and also maybe let us know if you think Mursad Bektik or Ricardo Lamas are going to get it done.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Lamas on that one. And uh, never anger a Wookiee when you're playing a board game, and don't pick a Pettis. So I'm going with Joby. It's
2: rough. Jesus. Uh, final fight we're going to pick. Clay Guida, fresh off of getting a, getting in a fight with Nate Diaz in like Sacramento somewhere. Um, that's a thing that happened Um, against Bobby Green who came back after oh, he's actually been, he's more active than I remember him being but got his uh, first win in a little bit of time uh, of uh, Eric Koch back in January Um, that was a big deal to me Bobby Green going out there getting a win and Bobby Green not fighting I don't want to say the word stupid but Bobby Green not just telling everybody he's not getting hurt by shots that are definitely hurting him like Bobby Green actually throwing stuff and getting stuff done Was nice to see, and that was a turning. That was a thing for me. Also, man, I've been watching Clay Guida fight since I was like 15. So, like, it's we can. We I'm I'm not picking him to win fights anymore. So I got Bobby Green. Stefan,
1: I I'm going Bobby Green as well. Bobby Green for me is kind of like what Overeem is for Mark. I have an emotional attachment to this guy, and you know, logic be damned, I'm always gonna ride with him. So yeah I think his his wrestling should be good enough to cancel whatever old man clayweed has still got at this point I think his boxing all should. right
2: Mike
0: I'm going with Bobby Green on this one
2: Mark yep round it up all right guys fights in two 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 Fight cards in two weeks uh hey, uh, to get our just, picks in uh
0: just apologies uh I had to step out for a
1: moment uh who'd you guys pick for the llamas fight I went on the limb and
2: took back tick. And the right, yeah, Mark and I took Llamas. Thank you. Right on. Um, memoirs of a fight fan. Um we're going with a real happy theme, which was the worst title fight um you've ever seen. Um I'm gonna lean on the you've ever seen part of this because I know there's some stuff that Mark's probably gonna bring up that he saw. Um, and I've seen I've seen probably most of those after the fact, but in terms of what I saw live and pissed me off on an impressive level, would be, uh, Mike remembers this, when we ordered UFC 112, Anderson Silva versus Damian Maya and we were sitting there, and look, it wasn't even that, we were in the East Coast, so it wasn't as early as it was for, like, Stefan, I know that pissed you off, too, but, like, we just got, like, angrier and angrier with the horseshit that was Anderson Silva dancing around Damian Maya for 25 minutes, and hiding behind the referee, and, I just was getting. So, I was so pissed at the end of that. I remember I went to see How to Train Your Dragon, and it improved my mood. But I was just so goddamn. Remember, remember after Mike, we just sat there like, what the fuck do we just pay sixty dollars for? Like uh, that was that yeah. for me.
0: Yeah. Um. Just to just go right after you because you you took mine. Um. Hmm. I was still in the infancy of my MMA watching career, and um, I remember that first year or two. Um. Poor Bobby, you know, a lot of times I I remember now, he would hype a guy up for me, and then maybe the first or second fight I would see of the guy, it was uh, just an utter disappointment. And I remember the Davy and Maya fight was uh, one of those first early fights I saw of uh, Anderson Silva, and I thought, oh, this guy's this guy's a clown. Um, and uh, I remember uh, that was the fight that was in Abu Dhabi outside, if I'm right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> It wasn't a very good fight. Um, Yeah, as soon as you brought up this uh, memoir, I automatically thought, oh, well, obviously for me, it's going to be that Damien Maya and Anderson Silva fight.
2: It was just, I'm sure there were worse ones out there. I just, it pissed us off. Like, what the fuck was that? You know? (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Mark, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was, I was trying to think of ones that would... I, I thought originally this was more like matchup wise like guys that just didn't deserve the title shot. Because, um, I mean, obviously, just like bad fights you can look at. Um, Anderson's got a couple, latest and Damian Maia. Um, I brought up one of the worst fights ever we talked about was um, Ken Shamrock, Dan Henderson, too, and that was for the belt. Severed. What's that? Dan Severn. Dan Severn, yeah, sorry. Um, so, I mean, those fights really come up. Um i was I was really just trying to think of like what was a really undeserving one that kind of just had to get slotted in. um, I guess I would I think I think one where it was kind of like, yeah, this doesn't it it was those two off the the tough four, right? when they got a title shot off of the season. obviously, Matt Serra won kind of throwing that 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 whole thing into flux, but when Travis Luter fought against Anderson Silva, dude didn't make weight, got beaten pretty. I, he had he had a moment in that fight where he got mount for a second, but then got starched. So those are a couple that come to mind.
2: It also wasn't technically a title fight after he missed. Well, too.
3: yeah, I guess it, I guess it wasn't. But those those two fights, I was like, I mean, if Sarah didn't win, those would be easy point outs where it's like these old guys should not go on tough and then get a title shot. Maybe you should get a new contract or something. because I don't think a lot of them were actively fighting at that time. But yeah, Travis Luter and Matt Sarah. Obviously, Matt Serra pulled up the upset of all time. If he didn't, and we saw what happened in the second fight, I think both of those would be high candidates for like guys that really weren't deserving. They fought a bunch of middling guys in their weight division that were also kind of past their prime, and then getting a title shot didn't really get me excited for it. But you know, is what it is.
1: Stefan, well, I'm kind of covering both grounds of that. Uh, in terms of an undeserving title challenger, it was just a what the fuck is this matchup? I'll say it. I know people had fun with it. Dan Henderson getting a title shot? I do not think so. That man did not deserve to be anywhere in that title picture. And that's where the big asterisk of Bisping's title reign is. Like, How did you just not fight any of the five worthy challengers? You had to dig to the deep back to get someone to fight. That was awful. Um, but Mark, you guys mentioned the Maya. That was the first one that came to mind when you mentioned this. Um, and Mark mentioned the other one that came to mind, which was the Talos That's the fight that taught me about butt scooting. Um, that's before I really, uh, I started seeing a bunch of Shinya Aoki fights, but, uh, the Talos latest was, I was like, oh, this is a strategy. You'll just forever beg for someone to grapple with you and they won't. And the round will eventually end. And that was the fight. And I watched that in a very poor stream, very grainy. And I felt very disgusted at myself
2: that I possibly chanced getting a computer do, virus to watch you, that mess. Do you remember that? Because I remember I was in Syracuse and you and me were just sending – look, it's been years. You and me were just sending streams back and forth. Like it was it was such a bad fight. And like I, mine would die, then you'd find one and we'd send it back. And I remember like we're working so hard for how bad this is. It's like, just so hard. <laughs> it's
1: whenever we got a picture, it's like exactly where we left off. Butt scooting, yeah. Anderson not and doing like, anything.
2: And we're like, has anything happened in the three seconds? Like the, the 30 seconds, we didn't have anything? Nothing? Okay, wow, this was so hard. Um, worth mentioning Damian Maya and Tyron Woodley was proper shitty. Damian Maya's got two of these. Um, that was pretty bad. And w- Jermaine Durandamy versus Holly Holm was terrible because that that was that weight class shouldn't even exist. Oh, but that's a anyway, good mention. That's, <laughs> a good, that's a good pick. <laughs> yeah. Because like Jermaine Durand uh, started cheating and then she won. And I'm like, she definitely cheated and shouldn't have won. I feel like if, was- we, if
3: we dug through these, I feel like there's a lot where it's like these. Because there's two ways to go about this, right? You can just look like,
2: like I thought. Oh, the does. The non-deserving one, Mark, is like thirty in the last three years.
3: Yeah, and I basically. thought, Steph, and I was just trying to—I was trying to like look at, like what was a big one like Henderson. That one made a lot of sense. The forty-five—that whole division is just like a joke. Yeah, I think if we really could comb through this, we'd find a lot where it's like, yeah, this guy's not ready for this. You can do like—I mean, Horaguchi. You can do almost anyone versus DJ.
2: No one's ready. They need to, you know, they need to spend. I mean look look look. I mean, look, look, look. I mean, it's not popular for in, in this. I mean, think about uh, the group of people we in here. But Carlos Condit beat Nick Diaz. And then Nick Diaz got a title shot.
3: Yeah. Before. All did he kinds get it before co- like, yeah, that like,
2: like, you know, didn't Nick Diaz get a title shot before Johnny Hendricks? Like, Nick Diaz hasn't won a fight in like five years. Yeah. And he got a title that's shot. Where like, the, come on know,
3: that's when we started seeing the fame seep into, you know, oh, you're really popular. That's going to get you a couple notches up on people who legitimately have been putting the time and working and getting the W's. So, yeah, I think. If we could have researched this
2: more, we probably could have gone on for like thirty minutes with all the people. Yeah, I mean, we did not just like a bunch of people who don't deserve it. Yeah. I guess just the bad fights has been some bad ones. Yeah, um, it happens. People out here complain. People complaining about GSB having boring fights. You know what? One guy went out there and fought, like, a, at least I never I never thought GSP had bad performances. I just thought the other guy too. Yeah, they're, like,
3: they're bad <laughs> fights, like DJ fights. It was like, oh, this guy's just demolishing. There's no...
2: There's yeah, it's no- like, the other guy's not on his level. There's what no do you want drama. me to do? There's no drama, because it's just, like, completely one-sided. And you, that- compare it to Anderson, you compare it to Anderson, where, like, well, Anderson's dancing, and the other guy can't touch him. Yeah, that's What worse. are we doing here? That's worse. <laughs> like, that's, that's so much... And speaking of undeserving, Yoel Romero in two weeks. Yep, pretty much. That's another one. You. You can't miss weight and get a title shot for the love of fucking God. All right, guys? Come on. <laughs> hey, he kissed Luke Rockhold out of the division. He deserves that's everything so, he gets. That's so uncomfortable <laughs> for everybody involved. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about um, Solo, which is all I got. So if anybody wants to say anything before we talk about Solo, um,
1: would be the time. yeah, I had a couple quick mentions. Um, a couple charity things that I uh, donated to wrapped this week. Um, I might have mentioned the Overwatch one uh, where they had a a skin for one of their characters and they made a couple shirts. What I appreciated about their charity was 100% of the proceeds went to breast cancer research. You see a lot of campaigns like the NFL where they have the NFL pink, but then you find out like 5% of the donations actually go to the research. So the fact that 100% went... Um, because it was a digital content they created and the shirts, they made enough money that they were fine giving away all the proceeds. Um, When I last checked, they had raised over $10 million, um, and that's pretty damn fantastic for a video game uh, charity fund. So I thought that was awesome. Um, I also, uh, I'll be honest, the other charity contribution I did was mostly because the contest uh, interested me. Um, Amelia Clark of uh, Game of Thrones fame and also uh, the aforementioned Solo film um breaking out into the hollywood thing she had a uh charity she's been supporting for a while called the um i want to get it right the uh royal college of nursing foundation um i believe they're a european based charity service um help finance like nursing programs across the world to make sure people get adequate like healthcare and treatment um so she's been repping them for a while and uh you make a donation and uh the contest you're entered into is uh you and you can bring another person they'll fly you to Scotland for a week um put you up in a four star hotel you'll get to uh hang out and tour the sets while they finish the filming of the final season and you also get to have a dedicated uh dinner with uh, Amelia Clark herself and as a big game of thrones nerd you know, this is this is one of those lottery things, right? You buy your ticket and you're allowed to dream until the announce uh, the winners are announced. So it's, you know, hey, it, it's always good causes, whatever gets you to donate to a charity, even if, you know, there's a cherry at the end of it for you. But, um, you know, it's cool things involving things I like, but they're all good causes, too. So, um, yeah, those wrap this week. So um, you can't donate any more if you missed them. But they were just things that I happened to stumble on and contributed to.
2: Marcus, you got anything this week?
3: Uh, Yeah, I'll just mention a couple games coming out this week. Uh, Probably the bigger one is this year. Actually, I think it was last year was Street Fighter's 30th anniversary. Um, And they're coming out with a Street Fighter 30th anniversary uh, game for, I think, PS4, Xbox, and PC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And basically, these have all the Street Fighters from the very first one, which is not a very fun arcade game, um, going all the way up to Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. And the cool thing, which is, unfortunately, if you're listening to this podcast, and this is the first time you're hearing about it and you're interested in it, um, if you had a chance to pre-order it, you would also get a copy of Ultimate Street Fighter 4. So, and what I like about this is I I already had Ultimate Street Fighter 4 on PS4 and Street Fighter 5. When I get this anthology, on my PS4, I'll be able to play all of the mainline Street Fighter game, which I think is really cool. Um... Some of the caveats with the game that maybe you should know going in. These are the arcade versions. So they're um, like Street Fighter Alpha 3. When it came out on uh, PlayStation 1, um, they added a bunch of new characters. Those characters won't be in this version. Um, they added extra modes on the home console ones. And those won't be um, in this version either. What, what it does have is you do have online multiplayer for Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Um, Alpha 3 and then Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. So, um, I mean, if you're a big Street Fighter fan, which I am, um, it's kind of cool just to have all those games kind of on one disc. Um, they did something similar uh, back on PS2 um, where I think they had, I think it was just the Street Fighter 3 anthology and maybe some of the alphas, but it's cool to kind of get that breath of the very first Street Fighter all the way to Third Strike. Um, and then if you have Ultra 4 and 5, Uh, On PC or uh, PS4 I think it's just kind of cool to have all the Street Fighter games all on one system Uh, so that's cool and then there is a small indie game coming out that I've had my eye on that looks really kind of interesting and fun it's called Moonlighting and basically you play the shopkeeper in like an RPG town where you basically sell goods to adventurers coming in but the Moonlighting part is that every night uh, the shopkeeper goes into the dungeons and kind of explores them to find goods to sell at his shop and I just think that's kind of a cool, interesting loop, kind of looking at um, different aspects of a common thread, which are, you know, like action RPGs and kind of playing the shopkeeper that goes exploring just to sell the goods to other adventurers. I think it's kind of an interesting, uh, different look at the genre um, and visually it looks kind of cool. It's very, uh, you know, NES Zelda style where it's kind of isometric top view uh, exploring dungeon and stuff. But yeah, it looks cool. A couple of cool games coming out.
2: Um. All right. Um, Solo came out this week. Um, we all went and saw it uh, Saturday, I think. Correct. Saturday. Um, both because we wanted to see it and also because me and Stefan didn't want to watch basketball. Cause it's it's not good for the blood pressure. All right. It's just not. Um, and just me reminding myself that's happening today too. Um, so um, Solo. If you some reason don't understand, don't know what it's about. It's the origin story, kinda of Han Solo. Um with uh Aiden Ironreich playing Han Solo, Woody Errolson in there as a as I guess kind of like Han's mentor. Um you got Amelia Clark in there. Stefan mentioned her. She's playing a character named Kira. And uh the man of the fucking month, uh quite frankly, uh Donald Glover playing Lando Calrissian, Side note, I saw this whole thing on Twitter today, or do Twitter this weekend where a lot of people didn't know that Lando Cal that uh, Donald Glover and Childish Gambino are the same person. Uh, including Bro, what uh, a mindfuck for some people. Yeah, including uh, Cardi B, which is a famous uh, rapper right now. For people who I don't know, some people don't know that, but yeah, she's um, she was very surprised to learn that herself. That Donald and Childish Gambino. I mean, you are said the Don- same person.
1: You said Donald's the man of the month. Uh, I feel like if that blew your
3: mind, it's because
1: you heard of Donald Glover two months ago. Yeah, so, I think know. a
2: lot
3: of people did. To be fair, I you think this is
2: do- America blew up bigger than anything he's done. Atlanta, not even close, you know? And, you know, what's also fun is I was telling my friend uh, about the uh, Wu-Tang name generator thing, which if people don't know, that's how Donald got his name Childish Gambino it was when he was at NYU. They found the website for the Wu-Tang name generator and he pulled, his, he pulled it, it put his name in and it said Childish Gambino and he thought that was a cool name. Which is a kind of a weird origin story, but kind of cool too. I remember so, we all did that. Lot like, do, you, do you guys remember what you guys got? Something Warlock.
3: Yeah, I remember. Was, warlock impressed. was spelled wrong too.
2: <laughs> I remember thinking yeah. if
3: I was going to do rap, I wouldn't pick this name. So.
2: I got like Happy Warlock or something Warlock. It was Warlock, but not spelled correctly. I remember that was what stuck out to me. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Um, I saw the, one of the headlines I saw before the movie, I saw the movie actually, I was trying to avoid reviews, but it was just a headline that said, Solos, a great heist movie, and a kind of like a lacking origin story, honestly, my takeaway from this was like, maybe my like, my way of seeing movies now at this point, at this point in my life is just, I kind of just walked out and thought, man, that was a really good time, and it gave me everything I wanted when I went out, I was just like, man, I went in, you gave me a bunch of Lando Calrissian. You gave me how this dude got the Millennium Falcon. You gave me him meeting Chewbacca. Like, and he did the fucking, what is it? The Kessel Run. He did that thing in 12 parts. I, I, I got everything I needed to get from it. And at no point was I bored. And I thought everybody did a pretty good job. Even the kid who played Han Solo, which there was real low expectations for. There were times where he really felt like Han Solo. There were other times where it felt like he was still finding himself. Which I kind of bought in that, like, by the time he became Han Solo in... Episode four and shit like that. He'd been through some more shit, and man, it was a tall. It's a tall task because it's not just that you're playing Han Solo. Is that one guy was Han Solo for forty years, and it's maybe the most like one of the most iconic film actors of all time. Where like they're talking about making like young Indiana Jones, and I'm like, you don't differentiate Indiana Jones from you know Harrison Ford, and you don't differentiate Han Solo from you know, Harrison Ford either. It's just, like, they're not wearing a mask. This is who he is. He's basically acting the same in both those movies, worth mentioning. You're playing cool Harrison Ford, okay? And that's really tough, because Harrison Ford's, like, the coolest motherfucker in movies maybe ever, short of, like, John Wayne, just his demeanor. So it was a really tall task, and I thought the kid did a good job, and I... Overall, thumbs up. Um, Marcus, what'd you think?
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm very much in the same boat that you are. I really enjoyed... The film a lot i want i want to see it again right and i think that's kind of my biggest praise to any movie is like when i see it and i was like man i really enjoyed that and i would enjoy watching it again and owning it on blu-ray and watching it at my leisure and then slotting it in when i want to watch all the star wars movies right besides the prequels i'll watch probably solo will be first and then rogue one and then we'll do three through what oh, was gonna be nine when this is all said and done so um but the, the few things that you mentioned, I kind of want to ask you guys first. And maybe this is, I mean, I don't dig super deep into the Star Wars lore to kind of figure out what's this, that, and the other. I always I kind of just, shine. I always just kind of assumed the Kessel Run was a race. Maybe I watched too much Outlaw Star where they have, you know, a big galactic race. So when it was just like, oh, you just moved from one place to the other. I was like, oh, I was seriously the whole time I was watching movies. Like, when are they going to start this race thing? up? Because I thought like, at some <laughs> point, they're to to we're gonna run into some spoilers i'm sure but part of the movie is that they owe a lot of money to a crime syndicate and i thought like oh they're gonna enter the race and win the race with the millennium falcon that's how they win the money and then it's like oh we're gonna steal this fuel and then we'll get it back to this other place and it's just like because when they when he always says to other people like oh i did the kessler run in 12.4 parsecs or whatever it is you know I always just assumed that everyone knew what that meant because it was a race that people knew about. Not just it was like, because if you say the Kessler Run, how do they know where you're going from and where you're going to? It does not make sense. It makes sense if it's a race though. So that kind of threw me off. Um,
1: uh, is, uh, like, what it is Mark? <laughs> is it? It's a smuggling route.
2: The so I, 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 yeah. equivalent is like, hey man, you made it to Santa Cruz on Highway 17 in a certain amount of time. You're like, man, that's a tough road. You did that real quick. I, I, I viewed it as that. It's like, kind like of like if you think of
1: old shipping things like where you had to go through the Spanish Armada. Like, oh, I was able to get there in a... Uh, I,
2: guess I was watching
3: a lot of El Chapo and they have their smuggling routes where he guarantees... I he think where that falls for me is that, like, doesn't he tell Luke, like, oh, I did the Kessler run in 12... Like, oh, this Millennium Falcon did the Kessler... It's like, how would Luke know that? He lives in fucking Desert Planet. All he knows how to, is to, like, harness moisture. So, I mean, whatever. But <laughs> um, the thing that I really like with these side stories is this is kind of where I want the spotlight to go on the Star Wars universe. Um, all the films... Leading, you know, all the major films are always about like the highest arcing narrative of the lore, right? It's always about the Empire and the Rebellion, and I was always more interested, like, what's going on on the sidelines? Like, what are all these different aliens that are at the cantina? What are they doing? Like, what is their business? Like, you know, what kind of adventures are these characters getting into that don't always have to deal with the the Skywalker legacy, right? So, I think just where they're putting the spotlight just in general, I'm already interested in. And then I think this movie nails a couple things that really aren't like the high benchmarks that people get really excited about. But I love the art direction in this movie. There's like a pirate kind of gang and I loved their costumes and stuff. They basically had like Imperial armor, but then kind of jazzed it up right with their own stuff. And it reminded me a lot of like kind of destiny, kind of high fantasy uh, sci-fi stuff, which I really just dug a lot. I dug a lot of the art direction in this movie. And I thought the narrative was pretty straightforward to, you know, I, I was never really lost, right? I kind of knew what they were doing and why they were doing it. The only place it kind of loses you, and I think Bobby mentioned this after this movie, at the end, there's lots of double-crossing. And, well, every, I, I enjoy a good double-cross here and there. Um, it's just, I've seen this happen in video games, namely Metal Gear Solid 2, where it's at. The, it's like towards the end of the narrative, everyone's kind of standing around saying like, no, 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 I screwed you because I'm doing this. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. Actually, I'm screwing you because I'm teaming up with them. And they're like, whoa, but I'm screwing all of you because I'm, and it's just like, oh, God. Did did you, you by
1: any chance, get flashes of it? Maybe it was just me. I was picturing the community episode, the uh, conspiracy theories episode, where the dean was in on a scheme with all these people.
2: (laughs) Everyone had guns. The cop showed up and shot them for me i just go to the movie basic whenever there's a bunch of twists oh in the movie. basics we're like <laughs> he's black the whole time. <laughs> Wait, what? everybody should see basic that's a side note to all this okay
3: um but i i mean i liked a lot of the performance i mean obviously uh Donnie glover i think really killed it um donald glover um but i thought that the kid playing han i thought he did a good job um and i, I liked a lot of the beats with chewy i liked how you first saw chewy how they kind of because I thought he was going to fight. Who, who? What's that monster that's in Jabba's hut? Rancor, right? Like, I thought he was going to get thrown into Rancor. And then it's like, oh, it's fucking Chewy. Um, there was a lot of little callbacks and stuff that was fun. Obviously, the big reveal with uh, Darth Maul was unexpected, right? I even saw articles saying, like, oh, there's a big uh, Phantom Menace callback. And I was like, oh, cool. There'll be a pod racing scene in here. <laughs> Which I still think is a really cool thing. They have not leveraged from uh, Phantom Menace. Like, the only cool thing in that movie. Why not have some more pod racing? But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I think, and I think it's gonna slot in well into the overall, you know, Star Wars Canon or whatever like when I'm watching the films, this will be part of the ones I watch. Um, I guess I didn't really kill it in the box office. It seems to be one of the lowest grossing, films that has been in the star wars canon which i think is a shame because um i enjoyed it a lot
2: so that's that it went, was, a busy, uh, it was a it was a tough month too man It was a real busy month yeah
1: memorial day has proven to not be a good movie weekend it's a weekend people go places they they go outside and are active so it's not good also unfortunately a lot of the movies not success has nothing to do with the movie it's the fans backlashing on kathleen kennedy It's because Kathleen kind of brazenly said that it doesn't matter. You're going to pay for it anyways. She kind of took that arrogant uh, point of view. And a lot of fans are saying, well, F you, we don't have to see it. Um, So that's just kind of unfortunate. People aren't just going to see it and, you know, make their own assessment. Um, I figured you were going to me, Bobby. I Sorry, I just kind of took the ball um, and I'm talking about it now. Um, I'd give the movie a a B-minus. Uh, that's kind of how I felt about it. I think you guys are a little higher on it. I mean, I, I would definitely see it again. Um, that's a pretty easy bar for me to clear. Um, you know, I, I allowed myself to, like, finally check on some reviews from some of the places I like going for those things after I saw it. I didn't want to be colored at all before I saw it. Um, and I think a lot of them ag- I kind of agreed with in that it's it's somewhere in the middle, if you were to put it in the hierarchy of Star Wars. There's Star Wars that's better than this, There's Star Wars that's far worse than this. Um, There's a lot of likable things, but there's just a lot of weak points that just kept me from ever really getting into it. Um, I'm going to tell you the two things I hated the most. Um, One, with origin stories, they'll answer a lot of questions that maybe you wondered about, maybe you didn't really think about, but then sometimes they'll answer things you absolutely didn't ask about. The origin story for why his last name is Solo pissed me off that was cheesy that That was, was super cheesy that was a horrible beat that the officer was just like i'll call you solo that was dumb that was dumb and did not need to be there that absolutely took away that took pulled me right out of the movie for a bit to like comprehend that um the other thing that i thought was really stupid is the march of the empire music exists in the star wars universe it plays as a jingle in the recruiting center i I like that that was (laughs) that was funny (laughs) that's where you don't know you think it's funny bob but i think it's funny that you're it's not funny like it's a joke it's funny like i'm laughing at you funny not laughing with you funny that was that was weak to me that's one of the that's one of the really cool things and it just kind of made it corny to me but
0: you gotta assume that they were trying to be kind of meta. With
2: Where that. the fuck did you come from?
0: <laughs> I'm still living. <laughs> this podcast is still going on.
2: Where the fuck guys? Did did you
0: podcast come never from? ends.
1: Mike. Go? Mike just shows up again. Like, um, I mean, yeah, you. Yes and no. It's like that's one of the knockbacks on the Last Jedi, right? It was the funniest one. But then a lot of people thought it was too much with the humor. It's too much with the meta humor. Too much trying to be the Marvel style of humor. It's not the Star Wars style of humor. And I felt some of those things, you know. um, I didn't like you know, Woody Harrelson, he recovered from his love dying real fast. Uh, Thanny Newton blew herself up for something that didn't matter. He was sad on a hill. He's like, Han, we're we're buddies. Let's go do this thing. Like, wow, you didn't care. Like, it's, it's a lot of little things like that. Like I said, it's there's nothing I I I don't despise this movie. Nothing that this destroyed my childhood. But it was a lot of moments like that that really just pulled me
3: out of it. It um I, I, I would yeah, I just not- I, I just find them very distracting. Not not to cut you off, but, um, I would say they do try to validate why he's so cold because he and, and whether it's it's enough to sell you or not is up to your personal uh, taste. But like he basically says, like you can't trust anyone. You can't rely on anyone. So that's why I mean, I agree with you. it was I thought it was a little weird. Like they seemed to be in love, and then she sacrificed himself. And that didn't really have much of a change on his character or anything. But it just kind of it it just reinforced that. like he's a hardened guy who like doesn't care. I mean, I don't think that was a great explanation of why he was able to get over that so easily, but they did try to address it. And I always give a little bit of a like, all right, like if you do something weird in a movie and you don't address it, I'm like, well, that's fucked up. You left out a, a motivation or some kind of meaning for why the character would act the way they acted to the situation when they address it whether you agree with it or not this this happened a lot in batman ninja like they address a lot of the weird shit, and you might not buy it but at least they attempted to try to explain why this person is acting that way so i give them a little bit of credit but i agree it, it there's definitely some things in the movie that didn't land i thought a lot of the jokes for han solo didn't really land like he makes a quip and no one's laughing and and, and i kind of was able to rp that in my head that like han doesn't say jokes to make other people laugh he says jokes to like make himself laugh and whether other people are in on it or not, is just like whatever. But yeah, o- overall, yeah, there's definitely some low points, but the high points hit more often than not for me. So,
2: yeah, I agree. I mean the solo thing with his name, I, I mean, like dumbness. It, it didn't take me, I mean, for a moment I was like, Oh, that's kind of stupid.
3: If it I could have, have, he he just like have wrote him like being like, yeah. my name's Han, and then he looks back and he sees that he's not with her and he's like, Han Solo. And that no, there was
2: no scenario. It was still
3: going to be stupid. It, like, it let's be honest. Gonna, even but, that. but I agree with Stefan. Like, well, I mean, it... Hmm, you're all alone. Hmm, should I call you Han Singular? No, no, that won't work. How about Han Solo? Yeah, You might as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was like, that was I, dumb, but I, that, I, like that, that, that was, was so over. Too. I was like, well, okay,
0: man. I guess I've learned Solo isn't his last name. I said that was was a
1: question that didn't I didn't need answered.
2: (laughs) Uh, The the music thing I mean look I started laughing but like I don't know it didn't really like take me out of it as much as I'm just like well okay (laughs) this is (laughs) that's um, where it came from I'm like that's where it came from okay
1: (laughs) another minor gripe where I couldn't pinpoint why the scene was troubling me um but uh, another podcast I was listening to is the game of sabak um. You know, they've done this type of scene a thousand times. You know, Casino Royale was built on the high-stakes poker game. But Sabak being a made-up game in which these cards mean absolutely nothing to me, it's hard to set that drama because I'm like, I don't know what any of these cards are. I don't know what any
3: hand is. I just presume you're good, you know? Yeah, uh, I, don't, and- I don't think that's that important, though, because, like, you can watch any other movie with a poker scene and not know anything about poker, and they tell you what's going on like that's a really good hand I think I mean and they do that in this movie it's a very trite you know old western thing where it's like oh I got a full house oh and he he's yeah. about to grab all the chips oh no 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 I, I mean yeah the, the important okay. thing is you establish that Lando
1: cheated at to win these games but the point that it was going to lead to that I actually kind of agreed with is um and I feel like it's a fair criticism is uh Ray in the new trilogies has gotten a lot of flack as a character for being a Mary Sue and han really is in this uh, movie whoa, as well whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. you're gonna need to explain what the hell mary sue is. Uh,
1: mary sue is a term for when someone just kind of can't fail they don't they just kind of keep succeeding in spite of themselves like no matter what the odds are they just, like with ray for example how she just knew how to use the force how she just knew how to fight with a lightsaber the first time she ever handled one she never really fails she never really finds a hardship han wins every hand of sabaki plays he's the greatest pilot with ever establishing why he's a good pilot you know he kind of just always succeeds and it's 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 something that just has been in star wars lately it's a cheap storytelling tactic And the uh in the movie, I haven't watched the movie,
0: but I know in the extended universe, they said he was a former Imperial cadet, and he was, like, tops in his class.
3: They actually, actually touched, well, not not tops in the class, but They but there's a scene with
2: him actually being and how he leads to joining the Imperial. And he got kicked out for being, a, like, being insubordinate or some shit, right? Yeah, but even but then, like, they I, show
1: him as, like, a foot soldier, not a pilot.
2: Well, I kind of assumed they punished him for being a dick and send him to the front for that reason.
1: I will say... I just want to say... I've griped a lot, but just since it came on real quick, sorry to cut off, Bob. That war scene was awesome. The way they filmed that war scene that I totally did not expect, that was so visceral. That was, like, a, re- a real gritty thing you don't get in Star Wars a lot, where it tends to be a bit more fantastical. I really
2: enjoyed that scene. Um, I want to say that uh, Donald killed it. Like... I, more than anybody, like he kind of was Billy D. Williams without doing a parody of Billy D. Williams, and he he called him Han, and I know that like there was no way that he could he could call him Han the whole time we would all be okay with it, but like I liked that he called him Han, and it just made me happy and just. He was cool as shit. but uh, Like, he was Billy D. Williams. But he also had
3: that... He had a scene where it wasn't... He's not always just the cool guy, right? Because he has yeah. this relationship. And, and Mike, I'm going to spoil some shit, so if you don't Oh, worry, I don't care. But, like, he has this relationship with his droid, and when she's, like, damaged and is about to die, like, you see a different side of him, right? Like, he actually carries. He's not just always this cool cat with the cool one-liner. Like, and then... And, and also, like, when he tries to save her, he gets shot, and then he's compromised, right? And it was just... A, And kind of like the opposite of what stefan was saying like you see him struggle right he struggles in this movie he's hurt and he's kind of the opposite right like lando is someone that thinks he's always in control but he's always kind of being led by everyone else right he's always kind of like he's getting the short end of the straw like his ship's kind of being commandeered um, he, I mean, he he has a role to play in it, and he's, he's benefiting off it as well, but he's the one that's kind of struggling. And what I would, I agree with Steph with the Mary Sue thing with Han for the most part. I feel like his overall arc is not of success, right? His main motivation in the movie is first to get off this planet with his love interest, right? And then he fails at doing that, right? They can't leave together. She gets stopped. And then his main motivation for the rest of the movie is to find her and rescue her. And then he finds her, and she doesn't really need to be rescued. She already is kind of set on her own path. whether it, Although that is a dark path that she doesn't seem happy with, he is ultimately not able to convince her to come with him, right? And that's kind of, at the end of the movie, I was kind of like, man, like when you look at Han and what motivates him as a character to do what he does, he's kind of aimless, right? Like He has these goals that all fall through, and then it's just like, well... I'll get a ship and I, I'll, I, I'll do this shit with Chewie, I guess, right? Because that's the next thing I could do. And maybe I'll help the Republic. But like, his, mo- his main motivation does not, he does not succeed in that, right? A lot of his his overarching, what he's trying to accomplish it, he does fail. Everything else where he's trying to get that, he succeeds, right? And he's always living the fight. You know, he wins every battle. He escapes every time. But what he's trying to accomplish, he fails. And I think that's kind of Han in, like, a nutshell, right? He's always trying to do something. He doesn't want to help the Republic,
2: but he kind of gets pushed into it. A- the circumstances led- exactly, lead him to exactly, this. Yeah. But the thing you brought up... By the way, um, I don't know if... I haven't read any reviews or anything like that, but we didn't talk about it. The way they built up Chewie and Han in this movie and how we end up to the point where they're basically brothers by the time we get the episode four... it's a little forced. I thought, I, thought they, I thought they had to do it, and but, like, it was a lot of stuff where, like, he saved Chewie a couple times. And then, like... Chewie came back for him, and, like, he let Chewie go, and he gave— There was enough of that stuff where I would, at the end of it, like— You bought it. I bought it entirely the end. I'm like, yeah, this is— his, Like, Chewie chose to stay with him. Like, I, but when he did that, at that point, I wasn't, like, thinking, like, oh, Chewie, like, why would he do that? I, mean, I bought it entirely well, that he did
0: that. N- not to sound, like, too much like a, a Star Wars nerd, but um, at least I remember the way they explained it in the books is that Han saved Chewie's life. And in the Wookiee culture, that makes uh, a life debt for the rest of uh, that person's life.
2: See, this one, it was more like it felt like it wasn't so much. A, it, it was, he'd made a choice to stay because there was a couple opportunities where Han flat out told him, like, you got to go. You got to go. He wasn't like, "It yeah. was just well, you do what you got to do. And that's, you know, and I, and I bought the decision. Yeah. And that and that I. I don't
3: know if I totally agree because I I did think it felt a little weird, right? Because it it has all to do with these characters' motivations and those switching. And I don't think this one was that bad at all because it was mainly, Chewie wanted to find more Wookiees, right? Like, that was his main motivation. That was his main life goal is that he was separated from his tribe and he just wants to find more Wookiees. And in that scene where they're going through the mining camp and he finds other Wookiees, he leaves Han, right? Like, in that moment where he sees other Wookiees, he's like, dude, my objective is different than yours in this case. That's my main objective, not to do this whole heist thing. So he basically abandons the mission and goes help his brothers, which makes sense motivationally, right? We already know his motivation is to save his brethren. It's not to pull off this heist. So when he sees that, it makes sense. And then when it's it comes, it's shut-up time, right, where it's like Chewie either has to get on the Millennium Falcon and continue his path with Han, or he's going to go with the Wookiees in that's where his motivation changes right and and for you bob like same thing with me like i didn't when i saw that scene and he decided to stay with han at that point i was
2: already invested enough in their relationship and obviously we knew he was going to do that anyways because there are so well he also he also bet on him you think about it too because then at the end when he when he went like at the end where he han basically had to save him at the with um with what's his name uh with i forgot his name already beckett when he was walking away with the fucking... The nuclear... Whatever that shit was right, called. The, right. the cells. And like Han went back, went after him. Yeah. To save him. Remember? like And that was like... It seemed like Chewie had faith in him again. And Han came through for him. Like it seemed like he was betting on their relationship. And it paid off too. Later on when Han... Like he needed Han. Right. And Han came after him. So I... I thought they did a really good job with that honestly. Like at the end of it I bought that like... You know in episode uh, 7. When Chewie lets out this guttural yell. When his boy gets killed. And, like, it's been, like, 40 years or whatever since then. But still, like, I got how we got to this point. Right. Yeah, I agree. Where that was his guy. You know, that was – I thought – I mean, that's, like – it was, like, an undercurrent. They didn't, like, I thought that – but they did a – I thought they did a good job with that, personally. And at the end of the movie, I said, man, I'm in for a Lando movie where you explain to me how he ends up running Cloud City. That was me at the end. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah, you can do Give a little. Reports that
0: he is going to get his own movie no?
2: Yeah, I'm in for that story. That's probably the story oh, I imagine, although, right?
0: although 87 million on Memorial Day weekend might put the kibosh on that.
2: Yeah, but I thought that was like I thought they got like 100 and something. No, it was like 80. Maybe. Maybe maybe I'm including Thursday at that point. Yeah, maybe. it, it, I, it I did not saw...
3: do very well. Um I mean, it still did good. Like we 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 can't let the Marvel movies just like crap over everything uh, like 80 million, I mean, it didn't meet it did their expectations. It did worse than
0: the prequels
3: opening weekend.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, dude, that's the thing, though. Google's like, hot, There's though. a lot of movies. Deadpool came out last weekend. This Deadpool still weekend, did $44 million. Memorial
1: Day weekend does, if you look at all movies that come out on this weekend, none of them do well. This
2: is and not Avengers, a weekend to open a movie. Avengers wasn't done making money. Avengers made $17 million domestically this weekend. That's a lot for, like, week four for any movie. Like... There was there's seventy million, there's sixty million dollars between Deadpool and Avengers. Of I'm not saying this is the same genre, but kind of like blockbuster, mainstream. summer it's f- popcorn, popcorn flick. It's a popcorn flick. flick. Yeah. I think you got sixty make, million dollars I think, of popcorn. I flick.
1: think it'll do decently in the uh, international market. I think the war with Kathleen Kennedy is a mostly
3: stateside fan base issue. Well, yeah. uh, apparently yeah. it, it's already opened in in China and stuff, and it didn't really. Did eleven movies. mil?
2: Yeah. I th- you know the thing is, man, people uh, domestic with with uh, international movies. You it's about whose name is on the thing. Honestly, yeah, that's true. That's There's a big not deal. a lot of big. That's that's, names. A, that's a big deal. Yeah. You need a name on this thing. And I think if Donald, I think you put Donald in another one. I think I mean, do they have a th- do they have another prequel plan or not prequel, but like a non so, yeah, they, uh Yeah, they uh
1: that James Mangold, uh, who did Logan, most gonna do Boba Fett. to
2: do both. Okay, look. I, I'm. I'm if we're gonna make a movie where a dude wears a, mat, a helmet the whole time. I'll take the like, helmet off, Bobby. <laughs> I, I look. I'm. 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 I'm in for the movie. We already I know what he things.
1: looks like. If they're all close to yeah. that Samoan guy, Fili- yeah. Filipino. That's true. Oh, but like,
2: Samoan. who? Yeah. Which Samoan is playing Boba Fett? Is what I need to know. Is it the Rock? Rock?
3: Oh, if, if, the it's Rock?
2: Not, oh, if it's not, if it's not, it better be the Rock. The Boba Fett better get real jacked. All right, you got to like give me a reason. Boba Fett's not this huge. I at this love point, Rock. But... I think I'll be pissed off if he plays Boba Fett.
3: Like I don't know no, if I, I won't. I don't care. Give me the Rock. I'm out. I will see it. I'll watch it regardless. But I'll be like. Because The Rock is too... He's too much to rock, right? I'm not going to see Boba Fett. I'm going to see The Rock playing Space Soldier. And I'm just going to be like, all right. <laughs> Dude, I how many famous... Rock, but he does
1: not deserve the Marvel or Star Wars universes. <laughs> he's gonna, he's
3: gonna Dude, like, I just want to point this out there. Han, he's
2: going to give him like, the people's elbow. Like, the people's <laughs> eyebrow. Like, <laughs> what? Get Han. Yo, they put... They made a Samoan guy Boba Fett. It doesn't have to be Samoan necessarily, but like... You give me some... like. They're gonna look like the Rock. Yeah. Like but you they, tell me who got, was famous get, enough they to they do. They got unknowns a lot. Like this,
3: this guy played Han was fairly unknown. Yeah, they, they they, they, do you think they're
2: one. happy with picking an unknown after that? It, it, that's, that's what,
1: what I'm do. saying.
3: It's what that's, they
1: do. That is the Star Wars thing. Like Ray was an unknown. Luke was an but unknown. In fairness, they, that's the star Wars, thing. Star
0: Wars itself is the star. Solo, a Star Wars movie is not the same thing. So if you're gonna do again just, with Boba Fett, you need you're gonna need a big name star. Or China I just th- and the rest of the foreign markets aren't going to watch it.
2: I'm just saying, you give me a Donald Glover who's a bigger—I mean, he's not a superstar, but where he's where he dude's picking up steam. He's you know about to go on a world goddamn tour. You give me Donald Glover in a fucking movie about uh, Lando Calrissian. I think it would do well. I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You know, they—you know—they haven't filmed shit yet. We're like, we're what are we? Uh, is episode nine? this year, or is it next, no, it's next year? No, it's next year. So it's like next November, probably? Yeah, it should probably. be. Yeah. I mean, look, it was a busy month. There were three blockbusters in one month. And I know Deadpool's rated R, and it's supposed to make a difference, but...
3: And to be fair, I don't the, like the tale shit. on Black Panther... I don't I don't know if there's ever been a movie that released on Blu-ray when it's still in fucking theaters. <laughs> because Black Panther was
2: still By the way, in theaters when the Blu-ray came out. I, I think people need to point out that Deadpool is a factor here because while it's rated R and they're like, well, the kids aren't going to see, you know, can't see this shit. Han Solo is a character that came out 40 fucking years ago. And these little kids don't know who the fuck Han Solo is because he was in episode seven for nine minutes of screen time overall. And they probably don't know why it mattered that he died. Like the people who saw Deadpool are the same ones who give a shit about Han Solo.
0: I uh, I saying. watched one movie this weekend and it was Deadpool.
2: Nice.
0: You like it? <laughs> I I wa I started I I caught a 10 p.m. showing, um. Mm-hmm. And at <laughs> this point awesome. in my life, at this point in my life, a after a full day, I was basically <laughs> half asleep throughout the whole movie. Uh, the parts I was awake and coherent for, I thought was funny. Uh I'll probably have to watch it again because frankly, I kind of fell asleep for about a half. Is your movie pass dead
2: yet? Is that officially done? Uh, like, what How do you here?
0: think I watched
2: it? No, but isn't it like you can't do shit anymore with it? He's like, well, I I, I bought tickets for Deadpool for it. I thought there's some sort of restrictions now because they're losing money hand over fist.
0: Well, I'm probably not going to watch more than one movie a week. So even (laughs) if they did restrict it
3: that way, I'm I'm still good. I, I think it's interesting that you fell asleep during a comedy. So I have this visual of you like nodding off, and waking up, laughing a little bit, because like, like I've fallen asleep to movies too, but they were not like when I fall when I fell asleep the Transformers three times there was no jokes to get me like re interested it was more like giant CG robots fighting each other I fall asleep I wake up they're still fucking fighting so I'm like I'm back out <laughs> but this, like this this thing where like, Mike dozes off he comes in Deadpool says a couple one liners he chuckles a few times he's back under. That's a pretty like Mark, fair assessment like, of how it went. I
2: like your guys' thing is we fall asleep during uh, movies now. My thing is I fall asleep somewhere in the co-main event of a UFC Fox card no, and wake up that. after the main I fall asleep after the main event's over. I'm like, oh, wait, Damian Maya already fought this dude? God damn it. Well, okay. <laughs> That's my thing now. <laughs> I don't think I've fallen asleep in a movie yet. I remember the first
0: movie I fell asleep. Well, I fell asleep um, during Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm talking about the first one, back in 1989. Um, <laughs> Too dark. My bro- my brothers still give me grief over that because since I fell asleep, um, we all had to leave.
2: So. Um, <laughs> Wait, <there's> what? Why? Still- <laughs> Mom said it's time to go. Michael needs a nap. What do you mean? Yeah.
3: He's right now, he's fine.
2: <laughs> and
0: um, I you, you- I remember I fell asleep during the midnight showing of Romeo Must Die in freshman year of high school as well.
2: By the way, you I think at this point it's really about not putting yourself in those situations. Like I have a memory in my head of finishing finals driving back home and then our friend eddie saying hey i bought king kong tickets it starts at 10 p.m and we're all like this is a three and a half hour three and a half hour movie why would we do that if you put me in that situation now i will be asleep before they're done playing the coke jingle all right (laughs) that's what would happen (laughs) that's what i'm I'm at now in my life (laughs) um this was a long fucking show but um so we mentioned it Honestly, we will. We don't know if there's going to be a show next week. Um, we're going to do our best, and we'll try to talk about the ESPN card. And uh, the week after that, we'll try to do. We'll, we'll do our best also. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, be in New York, taking a little bit of a vacation, hanging out with uh, Mike and the boys, and you know, just walking around the city because I got fuck all to do. But whatever, we'll see. We'll. I'll take my. We'll take the recording material. We'll do our best to p- put a show together. And give you guys something um, in the coming weeks. Um, if you're so inclined, Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Moraes is Saturday. And we didn't take, spend a lot of time talking about it. But that fight alone is going to be awesome. Because they're both action fighters. And a five-round fight between those two should be a lot of fun. Knowing the UFC and Fox Sports 1, it will come on. God, I'm going to be in the East Coast. Mike, what time do these fights come on? 2, 2 a.m.? Too late. The main event? Um, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> main card starts at 10. Uh, main event will normally start maybe... 12, it's like a
2: six fight main card. Yeah, eleven
0: forty five.
2: Stefan, what what did they show live instead of Bellator? Um, I told you
1: it was a mid two thousands uh, environmental thriller the day after tomorrow.
2: Ooh. Yeah. By the way, uh, Phil Davis kicked Linton Vassal right in the fucking head, put him to sleep. But Linton was in his hometown, so they were able to, you know, he got home real quick for a good nap. And uh, Gegard Musasi ran through. Uh, Whoever their champion is.
1: Oh, I just wanted to mention, because I did catch one fight. I said there was a local dude. I think his name was Mike Sherman. And then Carl Noon, he knocked him out in 11 seconds or whatever it was. But it was the most weird opening where Carl Noon came out first. And for no reason at all, he was wearing a bowler hat. And he had a cane. And he walked out like he was an old man for three feet. And then he pushed the cane away. And I'm like, is this supposed to mean something? And then he pulled the Willy Wonka. And then when Sherman came out, he picked up that cane and then he awkwardly uppercutted the cane. And I'm like, what is happening right now? They just kind of came out and said, it was very awkward. The entrance ramp is not for everybody, is what that fight taught me. Uh,
2: Michael Page fought and they did a bunch of dancing and showboating, and he knocked out Dave Rickles. I don't care what Michael Page does if he's not fighting Paul Daly.
1: Not gonna mention the Infinity Gauntlet? That's...
2: I felt like that's the thing to mention, I, I didn't even see that part. What that did was he his
1: victory. He busted out an Infinity Gauntlet.
2: Oh, good for him. Yeah, it was in London. They didn't book him and Paul Daly. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. So, anyway. Um, yeah, long-ass show, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, and you caught... You, you know, the last, like, hour of it was talking about Solo and other stuff, but... Uh, we'll try to be back next week. Um, keep keep updated on the Twitter account. Um, we'll give you guys some updates on what's going on um, with the show. Uh, UFC 225 is going to be awesome. Um, look forward to seeing that. Get to watch a fight card with Mike so we can, you know, I don't think we haven't watched a fight card not live like in person together in so many goddamn years, I've realized. Yeah. When I you and uh, me just
0: when I visited uh San Francisco last year, yeah, there was no UFC card. So uh
2: If there was, we didn't watch it yeah. either. That might have been part of it. We might have decided this isn't worth our time. Yeah. So yeah. Me and Mike yelling at a TV. Memories. Um all right guys, thank you for listening. Uh we'll be back hopefully next week. Again, check out the Twitter account and thank you all so much for listening. See ya. Peace out. See ya. Me. the force
1: be with you.